have an announcement. Fez is sick, but he's doing it remote. Or he did it remote. We're done. And now we're doing the beginning, but we let him go. <laughs> was he really sick? I think he was sick. The song brings back mem- memories. Yeah. By the way. yeah, he was bringing. He was bringing back. He he was he was really accentuating the coughs. It seemed like. Yeah. It seemed like he coughed into the mic. And he was saying, "Guys, my voice. I'm running out of steam. I, I don't know." <coughs> but the fact I heard at the end a little macarena coming from the other room. We're just <laughs> Fez gives us the update. Let's just say this: there's hundreds of thousands in his pocket. I almost begrudge him. Just a little bit. A little bit. I thought it was unnecessary when he talked about hedging, but you guys were here. All right. But what we know is we got one of the best handicappers on the planet, and that guy contributed what to us this year? 42 and 44. So that means, well, God, you guys had to have a horrible year, right? If you take every pick that we had this year, and even if you forget the fact that we went against each other a bunch— let me see. If AJ takes a team at minus five and a half, and I take a team at plus five and a half, what's the best we can do? One and one. Mm-hmm. 50%. And that brings you down. It brings you down. We're going to say, screw it. That's fine. It won't bother me. What's our record? Every pick. So five a week is high volume. No, no one's betting five you know, a week. I mean, if you add in all the different things, maybe. But, but boy, three sides? What was our record? It was 201 and 151. All right. What does that add up to? That is 57.1%. It documented by you. You. All right. That's a massive year. 300 plays about? Uh, 352. And with Fez, the grand poo ball being at 48%, 48.8. So we'll call it 49. Yeah. I was pro- now we can make a big distinction who was profitable to what. Let's just say I was profitable. R.J. Bell, A.J. Hoffman was profitable, and Scott Seidenberg was profitable. Now the fact that Scott was about sixty-one percent and A.J. was sixty-five percent, and I was profitable, you can assume they were a little bit better. Right? <laughs> but you know what? I'm not one to want to parse this too deeply. We got three winners and then Fez. <coughs> And you know what? Fez is, I mean, I hate to say it, the best NFL capper I know, which tells me if he's having such a down year up to this point. And again, his late telephone stuff, his premium release has done fine. He did great in the contest, obviously. I'm just saying, if it, if, if the guy you expect the most from is, hasn't been great and we're still doing great, that means we expect greatness from here. I think so. And with the playoffs, we're tuned in, obviously. That is amazing, though. And AJ, just to be clear, AJ, 65%, and 51-2. And Scott, with a strong year, 8-8 eight and eight on his best bets and two pushes. A lot of people would be critical of that. Not me, 53-34-4. And, and did I win the best bets? Wait, 11-7, and AJ says 11-6-1. I don't believe it. I don't believe it's documented by our listeners, by the world, by the world. All right, we'll now go back and look at that push. Nothing wrong with second place. Yeah, I, I would too. Huh? <laughs> I would too. I would too. Actually, now we got an offer for you, and it's playoff related. Now you might say, "Well, at least we heard enough about AJ." Oh no, this is pros of interest in the NFL, 
and we got four of them listed. Now, here's what's amazing. There's only one that's bolded. Now, think about that. Microsoft, you hit bold or whatever, you know, Google Sheets. Now, you're telling me that the sales team said, we're going to bold AJ's name. I did not do it. I it went you. through you, and it came here bolded, but you didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. You didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice it. Mm-hmm. Here's the four pros of interest. AJ Hoffman up 63 units. That's not on the pod. That's his premium stuff. All right? Even better. Maybe Great. that's why it's in bold. <clears throat> I'm talking now. Greg Shaker, <laughs> almost 40 units this season. He's up in the NFL. The Hitman. We got a pick from the Hitman for the pod. Almost 30 units up. Goodfella up 23. He's consistent. And Fez, obviously, he's up on the year. Now, here's the offer. We offer playoff access, all access, including the Super Bowl. And remember, that's props, all kind of good stuff, for 149 now, if I just said, enjoy the show from here, you'd all say, hey, good deal. But because I like you guys the best, the listeners of the pod. And that's true, actually. Well, I like the people who spend over 10000 a year and the pod <laughs> listeners. That's my two favorite groups. In no particular order. No. Uh, well, I yeah. <laughs> But with my, I'll just say my second favorite cohort. <laughs> We're going to give you this for 129 now, I'm going to do some quick math. That's $20 off. How do you get it? You just say playoffs, all caps. Playoffs, that's plural, playoffs. You go to pregame.com, hit buy picks. You decide what you want, all right? The playoff all access, who you want, baby, more specifically. And you get every best bet, every pick, every opinion from that pro through the Super Bowl, including games of the year, including props for 129 It's a good deal, obviously. You've got a lot of great people to choose from. Coupon code playoffs. You hit buy picks, make your choice, and put in the coupon in the shopping cart. We've got a good one for you. On to the show. Wild card weekend. Super duper ooper. Wild card weekend. We got six games. We're going to give you six picks. There's a force pick on every game. Let's start there. Something. All right. I want an opinion. I want something in a game. But we got three star rated or weighted best bets for you and three, let's say, opinions. And we're going to have a best bet because we're going to do the 543 typical. And that's it. 543, though, and then three opinions might be the way to say it. We have from the moon, Steve Fezzik celebrating. Steve, you just were out celebrating. Is that why you're remote? I'm a survivor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I mean, just count the number of times we're going to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, <laughs> uh, so you ended up – did all four of the teams win the last week, I heard? Yeah, all four gentlemen, including the one I had a piece of, wound up tied for first. So I had a 16% share. So if I'm recovered enough, I'll be heading down to Circa – to pick up a check for around 400000 for my survivor um, investment share in Mr. L.A. Jones, one of the entrants. So that was the good news for the weekend. The bad news is I faded in millions, finished 21st, but I'll still pick up 24000 25 games above five hundred. Well, all in all, I'll take it. What was your – What was your boy, if you didn't have that – when did you buy in or when did you get that survivor? Right when there's about 30 people left alive, 30 to, and then down to 20, and I was buying up shares during that time. So obviously, 
if there had been 40 left and there are only four finished, then my investment would have been, you know, gone up tenfold. So just a little more like up seven, eightfold for my investment. So you're uh, you're implying you got in at a bad price? No, I got in a great price. I know? mean, but w- well, no. If 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 they decrease, if if uh, let's think about this. If ninety percent of the people are eliminated, but you're not getting 10, 10 times your investment, then how was that good? Oh. Okay, no, my so my investment, I was buying pretty much on eighty cents on the dollar. We agreed was was a fair valuation where. He wanted to hedge, and obviously, it's like buying insurance. There's going to be a tax on that, and we negotiated, and we we agreed that that was pretty much the the fair market number. Okay, so you're saying if just let's say hypothetically there was 30 people left, and um, it's a nine million dollar prize, so the theory would be it'd be what three, each one of them would be uh, three hundred thousand in that case, 30 people. Exactly. Okay. So a one percent share, a fair valuation would be three for a one percent share. You right. know, would, 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 would then just be the math and then multiply by 0.8. Okay. So three. Okay. So, but what you bought in for versus what you're getting paid out is less than 10X? It's right around 10X. Okay. I tell you that. So what, so was it just the 20 cents on the dollar? Was it, was it just that or, or the 20 cent discount that made you buy? Or did you like the field? You, you thought he would, because from what I saw, you had a big influence on him. Yeah, well, I like the fact that he was open-minded and that he would listen to me. Yeah. You know, and ultimately it, it was his choice. So he d- he didn't yeah. just follow by rote what I told him to do, but he was very open-minded and and frankly, he changed his mind multiple times, not just me, he consulted with with numerous other people. And I got to tell you they say trust your first instincts. He left two losers off the table where he changed pretty much the day of the picks. So it worked out great. And the, and the, the awesome story of this is before I got involved, he had a weekend. He had a family tragedy. He was totally distracted. And so for Thanksgiving, he picked um, the Green Bay-Detroit game, and he picked Detroit. And then his proxy the next day called him and said, well, who are you going to pick, you know, for Sunday? And Greg said, oh, well, I'm out. You know, I picked Detroit. And his proxy said, no, you went on to our, our proxy website, and you, and you bubbled Green Bay. So we gave you Green Bay. We gave you what you asked for. Uh, so he put it. He put in the wrong pick. That is correct. And and Green and Green Bay was what were they three and a half point dog in that game? Seven point dog. One on uh, Thanksgiving. All right. Oh my. Oh my god. Wow. So that goes to show you when you hear and people say, "Oh, X number of people didn't put in X uh-huh, number uh-huh. of people." Maybe it's just a mistake. And again, it makes sense that the guy, the fact he's telling people that, I think you got to give him credit for for not like hiding that. Yeah, and, and his he he did tell the story, so it's public. His mom had passed away that week. Yeah, so it was a terrible week for him. So you know, a lot of people are saying his mom was looking down after his best interest for that. Yes, <laughs> and somehow Fez takes advantage. I don't know because <laughs> didn't you buy in like the next day? Well, what happened is I initially bought in for like three percent, uh-huh. and then I just kept buying. It really dovetailed nicely. You know, one thing. They talk about what's the best way to hedge if you're in Survivor. I got to tell you, RJ, the best way is to sell shares of yourself because it's the cleanest. You don't have to come up with any capital. It generates capital. So instead of, oh, my goodness, you know, how are you going to hedge? You know, you got to come up with a million dollars to hedge, you know, in the last couple of weeks, as opposed to just progressively selling percentage of your share. Now you've got capital available 
to invest in hedge bets. It makes complete sense. Yeah, that that makes. I mean, if you tr- now that's interesting. So your your purchase was official enough that you're picking up the check directly. So what I did is yes. Yeah, so so I'm I'm going to be going down to Circa and getting my share. Um, that um, you know, yeah. Greg will will you know tell Circa to, to go ahead and cut the check. Um, but through the entire process, like I'd be like, okay, I bought this percentage. Should I pay you or should I just help you get down on hedges? And I got 101 out. So ultimately, I uh, saved him a ton of money on VIG with some of the hedge bets he made along the way, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is, was is Circa in any way? Let's say that this Greg fellow decided he was going Russian mob and just disappeared. <laughs> All right. Oh, they, Circa would just pay him. They, they, they would yes. pay him. Okay, I didn't know. And then, so- and then you and I would. Then we get your lawyer, and we'd go have fun with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but the Russian. Those. Remember in uh, billions when he goes, I have lawyer. Look at contract. I enforce contract. <laughs> All right. That was uh, actually KGB. That was John Malkovich. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, that that I tell you that show went downhill fast though. When uh, I don't know if you watched it. Yeah, it, but it actually came back in the final season. I didn't made, see that. Was it good? Him. Was it good? It had to end it. All right, so Fez, congratulations. I do think uh again, I know you don't want to take too much credit, but I think you helped him in the whole idea and we'll talk about this in the off season of making your pick public. That to me was a master stroke and I think it probably made some money for you guys. So kudos on that. Uh, who did you have in week um, uh, 18 in the, in the millions? We, we had the Raiders, and we were certain that all three people were going to go with the biggest favorite, the Cleveland Browns, and it backfired. And, and, and Greg, to his credit, disclosed, I'm taking the Raiders. We still can't figure it out. One of the other contestants took the Raiders as well. So we had negative equity. We had a three-point favorite. And they had a seven and a half point favorite, so we we're thrilled just to get through, you know, and to be able to shop four ways. If you knew not that they'd pick you, but let's say that it would be Cleveland, Cleveland, and some other team. It was Cincinnati, Cincinnati right? Not Cleveland. Cincinnati versus Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So be bad. Yeah. Cincinnati. Bengals. Yeah, the bat that they everyone beat you on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's the <laughs> <a> one. <laughs> is 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 um if it would have been Cincy, Cincy pick another three point favorite and then you guys being where you were would that would you have even wanted that or did you need all three on the other team on Cincy to make it worthwhile of taking less equity yeah we would go Detroit minus four because if we would have gone with Cincy then we would have stacked three deep and the guy on the Raiders would be doing to us what we wanted to do to them so I think the the mathematical play would have been to, to take Detroit minus four but frankly we felt the Raiders were safe. Because we're like, if one of these guys goes rogue on us, you know, we don't think they're going to take the Raiders uh, because the Chargers were three and a half point favorites. So we were shocked someone else took the Raiders. Yeah, that, wait a minute. The Raiders were dogs. How in the hell did, so you guys, what we're saying here is he went through the gauntlet and, and was undefeated. He survived. And he had two underdogs in the last like six picks. No, Raiders were favorite. No, the Raiders were laying. Uh, three. Oh, I thought you said I. Okay, I, I miss. I miss. Saying the Chargers it. versus the 49ers were a heavier favorite than the Raiders were in their game. Okay, okay. So you're saying three? Yeah, char- char- okay. Chargers were were laying three and a half to KC for most of the week. So we felt, and that was the late game. So we thought, well, if anyone's going to go crazy, other than playing Cincy, they're going to take the Chargers in the late game or Detroit. But they didn't have Detroit available. And the late game was really driven. The whole significance of that is more time to hedge or whatever. If, if okay, 
Yeah. And perfect information. Yes. How did you do in the in the millions? Uh, I, I know you did poorly. Who did you have? What was your five picks? So I was two and three. And frankly, I, I love my selections. So I had um, the Bengals minus seven. Mm-hmm. So that was a winner. And yeah, I had AJ the Raiders minus, minus two and a half. That was a winner. Uh-huh. I took Baltimore plus four. Uh-huh. Don't go against the Steelers. And- <laughs> and it closed two. It closed two point nine. I mean, I, I so so. Um, closing line value killed the contest star. It was week. also the number one most selected team in, okay. in the contest. Was the Ravens. so I was, I'm always going to take Baltimore. Okay. Um, I took Atlanta plus three and a half, and the line was two point nine. Well, you didn't, you didn't uh, get I, you didn't get enough of that Atlanta, huh? <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I was I was telling the guys on um, SOV that. Basically, I got I got beyond lucky because my two winners were easy, Cincy and Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and my three losers were close into halftime and the second half, so they gave me tons of time to chuck in hedge bets because my other loser was the Bears plus three against Green Bay, yeah. and I'm watching all three of those games, I like the Bears. and I'm not liking what I'm seeing in any of them, frankly. Well, listen, 21 out of how many people participated in the millions? 5,300. Yeah, so really, we're we're talking one and two fifty. Even with your, you, you went one and four and two and three. Yeah, so um, I I uh, disappointed in how it ended, but to be honest, it's kind of there is a relief that, well, it wasn't like one game cost me a million dollars. Yeah, you know, if I got one more game right, I would have finished in tenth, and I would have gotten seventy five thousand. And how much did you get paid for twenty first? Twenty four thousand. Okay. Quick 50, yeah. 50 piece. <laughs> no big deal for Fez. <laughs> All right. So I want to get into the games, but uh, when I, I want everyone here to be thinking about the following subject, which is who do you like on the futures? If you were going to make a future bet, and I actually, Fez, when you give me your future, and, and we can skip the whole uh, dual mechanical parlay, roll over, roll over. Well, you know what? I finally thought and I heard someone talk about this and it just struck a light bulb I think that's a flawed approach and here's why and this is um it was on the matchbook pod Drew said this and I thought it was very insightful is if you are doing the mechanical parlay and all you expect is for your team to do better than expected right so let's say you like uh, Buffalo and you figure I think they can beat Pittsburgh I think they can beat you know Round two, round three, Super Bowl. Okay. Then you're right. Mechanical parlay is going to capture everything that you would capture in a future. Now, I would make the case if a team was a long shot to start with, like the Rams. If the Rams win by 14, you're going to see like a three-point adjustment on them. I mean, because it's going to be McVay in the Super Bowl or McVay from two Super Bowls winning one. Now he's got this team hot again. I think you'll see a quantum leap. So if, you, if there's a team that can make a big jump in the eyes of people, I think you want to lock in your bet with the current assumptions, the current sentiments, not the future sentiments. When you want us to have a future, do you want it to be no, like – No, it's like whatever, whatever. That, I mean, do you want it to be like if we like who we think is actually going to win the Super Bowl or what we think the best value well, is? Well, we were, if we were back in 1979, we could say, well, let's act like there's no odds. No, who – I mean, obviously – that's a different question. You're saying if you get, if I had a hundred dollars, where's the value? Bowl, where's the value? Okay. What, what All you, right. Well, I have a side bet. I'm going to propose. All right, but but real quick, I I didn't make my point. The main point here is that 
most of that's captured except for if the team is going to have a big uptick if they win. Okay. But his point was, well, what about all the indirect benefit? For example, think about Pittsburgh. Well, no one's going to remember this except Scott because we talked about it a few months, about a month ago. Is the Jets made the finals because the, uh, the championship round against the Steelers and Super Bowl, it would have been the, the Green Bay-Pittsburgh Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 2010 and 11, if I'm not mistaken, 11 being the January. And the Jets went to New England and won. Pittsburgh was the second seed. They got a bye. They were the second seed. Jets were not the second or the first. They went in and beat Belichick. Now, all of a sudden, if you're rolling Pittsburgh over, you're going to have them as a nine-point favorite or whatever they were against the Jets. I think they were a significant favorite in that game. And that's all you're going to get. But if you would have bet it beforehand and you thought, I think the Jets have a real good chance to beat New England. For whatever reason, I think New England – is not as good. Or let's say you didn't think the 49ers this year was very good and you liked an AFC team. Anyone that comes from the NFC other than the 49ers will be significantly lower priced in the Super Bowl. But you're right now the assumption is 49ers are what, 50% to make it, and thus the odds are assuming that. So all of the once-removed effects, you don't get any of those. So if that's a big part of your handicap, and it isn't going to always be, sometimes it's going to be, I like this team. Then I think the rollover makes sense. If you like the team, but you also think another team's weak that they likely won't play for a few rounds, that to me is different. And it's a good point, I think. I think it makes sense if all the teams were valued with on the futures market on a good futures spread and that the dastardly bookie was only taking 20% across the board. But but remember, but, friends, if you shop for this, you can get it down to under a 10% hold if you shop around that's a great the future. Point. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point, but you know, my experience has been the hold is even less on the favorites on San Francisco and on Baltimore. It's a negative EV bet, but it's it's like only like a minus 3 or 5%. And all of the extra hold is on the bigger underdogs. Now, to be fair, in the NCAA tournament, you did much better this year playing these these dogs, not on the mechanical parlays, but before the tournament started. But I think that was the inherent um, just variability of the NCAA tournament. No good teams, tons of upsets, easier paths. And I just but, but, don't but see is, that happening. But, but isn't that exactly yeah. the point? Is there was the once removed effect of those upsets, not just the team that you're betting to go ahead, but the other teams, right? When there's an eleven versus a ten in the round of eight, that you know that that opens the door that the mechanical parlay wouldn't be as good. Right, but I don't think the door is going to swing open in the NCAA playoffs like they did in the NCAA tournament to the point where I'd be willing to bet, I'd be willing to lay minus three hundred that the ultimate champion pays more with the mechanical parlay than they do even shopping for the best number. I'll lay three to one on it. Yeah, but th- you'd lay three to one. That's interesting. The um, So no lock. But, but, but you he, could do he, better. But here's the – but see, I, I think – listen, you're doing a – you're talking about me being a good debater. <laughs> you're doing a very tricky thing there because the odds are the favorite's going to win – most of the Super Bowls. And thus, the idea of there's going to be an underdog and a false favorite out there that you want to see get beat before you have to face them, mm. that is only going to come up a small percentage of the time. And thus, that's why the payoffs are going to be so big. I mean, I guess it, I, I'd be willing to, to, to call it a no bet if Baltimore or San Fran wins. I'd still okay. be willing to lay 3 oh, 1. Okay. All right. So you're saying if Baltimore or San Fran wins the Super Bowl, 
there's no bet. If anyone else wins, you're laying me plus 300, or I get plus 300 that the mechanical parlay won't pay more than the future. Yes. And I get to shop, let's just say, at five books before, before kickoff, first kickoff. Absolutely. All right, because we got five we do as part of pregame.com. We'll ta- I'm not going to do any extra shopping. I'm going to take In the- fact, you can just pick the teams you want. You can just say, hey, these are the five teams. If they don't win the Super Bowl, we got no bet. If one of them wins, then it's a bet. All right. All right. So what we'll do is um, let's think about that. We'll have to do it before the weekend. So um, I'll tweet that out. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, that, hey, listen, he's giving a good price there. He's making me tempted. I'll tell you one right now I'd probably throw in there is Buffalo. Let's think. If Buffalo wins, they don't have to play. I think Cleveland has a chance to beat Buffalo. If Cleveland um, – check that. Cleveland has a chance to beat Baltimore. Thus, I think I could get some some once-removed benefit if they do because Buffalo – ho- How Pittsburgh Pittsburgh could beat Buffalo. <laughs> well, maybe. But I, 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 I think Buffalo is a good bet if you are down on Baltimore. You can get them at, at plus 650. Buffalo? Buffalo. That doesn't seem like enough. How many places you got? Was just one right there? Seven or eight. Holy cow. Yeah. Maybe Fez is right. I, I'll tell you who I like, though, all right? <laughs> but, but let's agree, because um, I do think it's a teaching moment, is let's just use one example from the NCAA tournament, and let's say that you're the two seed that you like, and you think the one seed in your bracket is vulnerable. Is vulnerable. And there's going to be, what, three chances to beat them before you have to face them in the round of eight. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first one is not great, but the next two maybe. And let's say you like that eight seed or whatever that's going to play them in round two. All of a sudden now, if you just mechanical parlay it, you gain none of that. It's a way to make like an, an implicit bet on, on, on those events. Would you agree? Forgetting for a minute the exact payouts, would you, you agree with that, right, Fez? Yeah, strongly. And, and and like I said, last year was the poster child of that where you got the, I don't remember everybody, but you got San Diego States and the Florida Atlantics. And it's not like, they, you know, they're, they're having to play the 1983 Hoyas to get to the Final Four. Okay, so we may have a bet. I think, in fact, I'm because he gave me such a good number, I have to take at least one team. So I'll take a team. Maybe I'll think about it during the show and maybe bet one as we go. Um yeah, so really it doesn't matter if they win or not. I guess it, they have to win. But my bet really is, do I think if they win, would the mechanical parlay work or not? That's interesting. Like, let's say I thought Pittsburgh, the mechanical parlay, wouldn't work. And I would win the bet. But Pittsburgh has such a small chance to win, it's still worth it, the bet because there's no risk at it. All right. If it was a transaction cost, Fez, it wouldn't be worth it. But it's a, this is a friction-free effort. Pittsburgh, 130 to 1. Okay. Okay. All right. So, by the way, we didn't say it explicitly. Fez, you might hear in his voice from the moon, he's not celebrating. He's got the flu. And I've never seen someone on Monday. He <laughs> says, I'm out. I'm out Wednesday. That was a little. Now, the fact I'm hearing his voice, I don't know if that's champagne. In the playoffs, <laughs> the injury designation needs to be in earlier. So <laughs> it's, he couldn't just say questionable. He immediately went to doubtful. Now, the funny thing is. He had to switch the schedule last week to Tuesday because he had some, you know, who knows what on Wednesday. And then he's like, I'm sick. Let's switch it back to Wednesday. And, and AJ, did you have flights and stuff scheduled? No. Then why were you whining so much? 
I do not you know. You go, you go, oh, I got to change all my plans. Oh, I was joking. I was making oh, a joke. Oh, no, I didn't think. I was being sarcastic. I like, tell you, sarcasm on tax doesn't work. Well, I literally said, just kidding. That's fine. I was, I was just, just trying to make kidding feel is what bad people for say, is what people say when they get really mad and they, oh. they look at it and say, can I retract that? Yeah. <laughs> no? All right, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> All right, so let's get to it, and let's think about any futures we may like. I, I I have one that I do really like, and one that I did like that I'm considering not as much because of potential path. Because to me, the path is everything. All right, and it's so not what? about the opponents; it's about locations. Hmm. So the Cleveland Browns at thirty to one are my best bet as a law, as a future. Okay. Because everywhere that they play has the potential to be cold and bad weather, hmm. and the Browns Their first round games in a dome. Exact, and the the Browns are best. <laughs> well, should they advance? The Browns are best equipped to play in a low scoring, cold, bad weather game. If they have to go to Buffalo, if they have to go to Kansas City, these are mm-hmm. these are locations they can if they have to go to Baltimore. These are locations they can play and they can win at versus another team that I like as a long shot as the Rams. They going to Dallas, there's no advantage, right? Going to Detroit, there's no advantage. It's indoors. I mean, going to Philly, you wouldn't like the Rams, but also in the second round, they're probably going to have to play the 49ers since they'll be the lowest team remaining if they win in the first round so I don't like that matchup right away considering you know the whole circle of life AJ talks about in the AFC what in the NFC West so the Browns to me should they get by Houston have the best chance to go to the Super Bowl so just to be clear if they get by Houston if Miami doesn't beat KC or Pittsburgh doesn't beat Buffalo they would go to Baltimore Baltimore Mm -hmm. okay that's interesting but even if they have to go to you know any anywhere they have to go it's going to be cold weather. Weather uh, could be rainy, could be windy, and with that defense and the way that they play, it's not like I I don't need Joe Flacco to throw for three hundred yards to win a football game. They could for their defense, they can win in a windy, low scoring game. But when you say the same thing about Buffalo and Pittsburgh, yeah. and, and Baltimore yeah, for yeah, that matter, yeah, but they're not thirty to one. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, I do think we've got some team. I mean, Miami would be the exception, I think, yeah. and and that would be part of the conversation of that game, the weather. Let's start officially, though. Cleveland-Houston. Now, the biggest bet anyone has on this one was an over from A.J. Hoffman. Make your case on that. Yeah, I, I think that, first of all, the, the what, Browns— What's the ranking on this? Uh, this is my, my best bet, my best five bet. Right. all right. Yeah, so the Browns are 8-0 to the over on the road, and it's by over two touchdowns per game. And a lot of it is— it's 14 points a game, wow. Okay. Th- their defense isn't that good on the road. We've talked about mm-hmm. this before. At home, their defense allows 13.9 points per game. On the road, 29.9 points per game. And when you go through the Texans' schedule— You'll see that they've they've. Re- I mean, you you were talking about their strength of schedule earlier before uh, in pre production, and they really avoided a bunch of good offenses this year. Uh, and when they played good offenses, they got eaten up. Week one, they played the Ravens. The only top ten EPA offense they played all year was Week one against the Ravens. Uh, they played Joe Burrow, and he threw for three forty. I think Joe Flacco is going to have some success against this Texans D. And, I mean, Flacco had 368 yards and three touchdowns when they played a couple weeks ago in this same building. So, and the game went over with Case Keenum starting. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any way it doesn't go over with C.J. Stroud starting. It's it's a different number, right? So what was the number? Uh, It's it's four points up. Okay. And the, the, the three best pass rushers for the Texans, they've got cluster injuries on the defensive line. Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, Jerry Hughes. Have well, a- cluster implies that uh, someone's not playing. Will Anderson's supposed to play, right? He, he hasn't practiced yet. He missed two days of practice. 
That's, so he, he missed Wednesday's practice. He missed Tuesday's and Wednesday's practice. And it's a Saturday game. Yeah. Mm, all right. So and all three of those guys missed both practices. So they're, they're top three pass rushers. And their defensive tackles, Sheldon Rankins, Malik Collins, both limited, missed Tuesday's practice, limited on Wednesday. So they're just beat up on the offensive line. So I, I just think with the, with the Browns, with Joe Flacco, I mean, they're, they're season-long right, right. stats. So, so here's the counterpoint to the Cleveland defense on the road. And I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is the narrative out there. This is like the sharp narrative. Is it, Yeah, if you look at the counting stats, if you look at things like points, yeah, okay, that's kind of what matters. But okay, I get the whole idea that there can be four-point plays and one play shouldn't dictate three or seven like that. At least in the long run, that's going to even out. But in a subsample of eight or nine road games, I don't know which one. Cle- what did the AFC play eight or nine this year, Fez? On the road. AFC had nine home games. Okay. So the eight games, I get the idea that maybe this is true, which is if you look at the success rate, if you look at the down by down in a way, Cleveland is actually the top team on uh, the road in defense. So number one at home, if you just look at all home teams and home games, number one on the road. But points, even yards per play, it's massively bad. They're in the 20s in points and on the road. So I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. We can't like when someone says, "Oh, there was eight big plays that happened." It's like, and those eight plays added up to you know fifty-six points or what? It's like, why did those eight plays happen? Right? In one game, I kind of get success rates more important than one or two long passes, but over the course of a half a season, effectively on you know just on the road, I think you got to account for the fact they give up more big plays. On the road, but if they were susceptible down to down, that would be even worse. They'd be more vulnerable. So I think the Browns' defense might be a little underrated on the road, but they're overrated if people are oblivious to the road problems. It's somewhere in between. Well, and I think when the gap is in like between what you're allowing on on the road versus home is so wide, but it's it not leaves so some wide for the for there to be some some middle ground. Yeah, but it's not so wide if you're number one on success rate on the road and number one at home, there isn't any room. But in all, every other stat, there is yeah. that allows for big plays. Fez, what do you what do you think about that element? Cleveland on the road and their defensive struggles, but the success rate being good. Wow, you know, I might be biased because I just remember that Cleveland Indy game. If you recall, it was like 39-37 that they just went nuts. It seems like there was a few games that are skewing, you know, the points counting where there's some real high-scoring Cleveland road games. Um, also, remember, Cleveland has had bad weather at home. They Shocker, bad weather on the lake. So that always makes their defense look better at home and relatively speaking worse on the road as well. Another concern for me about the over, Scott, is the, and this is one that applies year after year, is rookie quarterbacks or even first-time starters in the playoffs, Mm -hmm. the first time, you know, the debutantes, as they call them. Yeah, so quarterbacks making their postseason debuts when playing against a quarterback with playoff experience, 17-31-1 ATS, and this is one of four matchups that we have in this year's postseason or in this wild card with uh, C.J. Stroud versus Joe Flacco. And and the Browns minus two and a half, are one of, it's one of my opinion uh, plays as well. So I, I, I do like the Browns in this game. But the quarterback playing poorly, in theory, address goes right to your over. Sure. Okay. Um, 
so give give us the, the this is not rookie quarterbacks. This is mm-hmm. first time starters their in the playoff play. debut. Playoff yeah. debut. So any quarterback making their playoff debut playing against a quarterback that has prior postseason experience. 17-31-1 and one ATS. That goes back to 2002. And there's four of those examples this season. All right, so that says anti-Houston for sure. Yes. Okay. Now, there's another trend that Fez brought to the table years ago, and I text him, you know, I, I somehow the service on the moon. I said, hey, do you have this? He goes, no, been sick. <laughs> <laughs> but now we got it. <laughs> we did some work, which is if you look at the strength of schedule in the uh, wild card round, so this is first round of the playoffs, and this goes back, I think, to like 2002 or some variation, and uh, the pregame.com forums is where we got these exact numbers this year, is um, if this Jeff Sagarin, and that's the numbers that were very prevalent back years ago, and they're prevalent now, but um, not as much relatively, if it's 10 slot, or here's the thing, if all you say is, hey, who's got the better strength of schedule? I think they should cover. It's 67 and 39. All right. But if you say if there's 10 slots or more in between, they're 40 and 12. So if you actually do the math, that means it's 27 and 27 when there's not 10 slots. So, you know, when I don't track a trend myself, I don't know. I think that the fact there's two or three versions of this out there that's pretty much the same makes me. And I know Fez had it last year and was believing in it. So I think this is one to believe in. I'm not going to let the exact record dictate because I don't. I didn't uh, calculate it. But the theory's all the same. The theory's the same, mm-hmm. and it's mighty strong. The strength of schedule means a ton in this first round, and um, and I I think that makes sense. It's only first round because this is where you eliminate the true frauds. You know, oftentimes if think about Giants and Minnesota last year, that was two frauds playing each other. That's rare. Usually the fraud gets dispatched in the first round. Yeah, because you could have a team that is has a bad record that wins a bad division. Like and Tampa, could, potentially. And you could have a wild card team that sneaks in, maybe at under five hundred sometimes. Yeah. And in either of those cases, the question is if they have a tough, tough schedule. See, I would like to look at this myself because here's why. Is if someone's third I'll give you an example. San Fran has a real easy schedule. 14th. Oh, is that right? Okay, I, I saw it was worse. All right, so let's think about this a second. Who's got um, – well, Buffalo is 23, um, but we don't know how good they are. Tampa uh, – Dallas is 30. This is perfect, right? So Dallas is 30. Is that what you got? Yep. Okay. Even if their strength of schedule was, a, was number five, that would be maybe two points a game. It is the most you see is that that's like the range one and a half. Let's call it one and a half of range, right? Is well over the course of a season, that's going to be. Uh, let's say if it's two points, it's going to be a game, right? If it's two points per game, it will be a win on the season because it's seventeen times two is thirty four. It's about thirty five points a game for a win. So we're saying whoever goes from thirty to five would lose a full win. Okay, but if you're a team that's got 13 or 14 wins... You can afford to lose one. And you lose a win, (laughs) you're fine. It doesn't mean you've somehow been invalidated. So I'm interested to see the win count and the correlation of that to this. But it's a strong mother-effing trend. And right here, that's another thing going against Houston. 
Right, and on Cleveland, Houston's 27, Cleveland is 6. Strength of schedule, that's big advantage. Just more than 10 slots for Cleveland. That's the biggest gap of, of Wild Card Weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, that, let's think about that. That's 21, yes, so that's going to be the most. Uh, another thing against the Texans is no one in the league has their PFF grade drop more under pressure versus mm-hmm. clean than C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. He is the sixth-best quarterback when kept clean. Out of 24, the 24 quarterbacks who got 50% of the snaps this year, uh, he's 18th when when under pressure. His grade drops from a 92 to a 48. And, of course, the Browns have – Yeah, with well, a 92 to 48. It's the biggest gap of anybody. Yeah. So, But the, here's the thing is if you are a fan of PFF, you understand that under pressure, whatever your ranking is, your grade is, is a lot of luck. It's not sticky. It's you ha- throw the ball up. I mean, that's really in theory that in third and fourth downs can really swing performance, and that's something we saw with uh, Wentz. Lawrence, right? Oh, well, well, Wentz specifically his that MVP year, that almost MVP year, he really was very good on late downs, and in the long run, that evened out. So, so all I'm saying is, if you want to be good at something, you'd much rather be good in a clean pocket than good under pressure because the clean pocket will stay with you your whole career Right, is the theory. I have a prop on this game. Poor Fez. Let's let Fez jump in. All right. We haven't gotten anything from him. He doesn't know how to be quiet like this. Fez, dealer's choice, what do you want to talk about in this game? Yeah, so advantage Browns because of the quarterback experience. Advantage Browns because of the strength of schedule. Advantage Texans on power ratings. You know, the only way we get to this line, we need Cleveland to be like, three points better at least than Houston. And I don't have them three points better. I've got these teams two points apart. So that's advantage Houston. If you look at power ratings, but one thing I haven't heard anyone speak about scheduling games on Saturday, no favors. Remember the Texans had to beat Indy on Sunday, all in game could have lost, could have gone either way. Well, Cleveland was getting a bye week basically mailing it in against the Bengals. I think that's a big deal. I think that sways me if I had to bet it to Cleveland. Okay, so wait a minute. So you're saying your power ratings say it should be pick them? I have Cleveland two two points better on a neutral. So I would have Cleveland minus a half power rating-wise. Okay, so they're laying three. Right? Two point, they're laying two point six five. Can't get a three on this game. You can't. So you can't get a three. Okay. It was three yeah. earlier in the week, wasn't it? Uh, it, 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 hopped, it, it touched up, three. I, I don't know if I mentioned. I was sick, RJ. Yeah, I heard <laughs> I about that. Know. Yeah, it spent most of the most of the early week at two, and then two and a half touched three, went back down to two and a half, and it's, right. it's hovered at two and a half mostly. Okay. Here's the thing that throws me about the line. And I see a lot of stuff lines up against it. Rookie QB, and that's even more than a you know f- debut in the playoffs. This is a you know rookie. Number two, we got the whole strength of schedule thing. Number three, we got the short week. One team off a quasi buy, and the other team in a in a quasi playoff game. In a way, it was win you know win and you're in kind of thing. It, maybe it was a division, maybe it wasn't, but then it was with Jacksonville. Um. But when they played a couple weeks ago, and it was Mills playing and also um, Keenum. Keenum playing, the line was three and a half. Yep. So let's say you get to three here. Are we really saying that <laughs> the best rookie quarterback maybe in history? I think it's fair to say it's the best. I mean, oh, no, Dan Marino was pretty damn good, but that wasn't his. I really wonder. If this is the best rookie season we've ever seen. 
certainly up there. No, I know a lot I, of people talk about RG three is is one of the uh, the best ones. That was a good season. It wasn't this. There was so much running in that. Yeah. I mean, remember he actually won the Rookie of the Year over Andrew Luck, yep. the, the former savior. Um, but Fez, don't you think we're going over in a weird way? Your power ratings kind of line up with this. We're going from three and a half through three all the way down to pick them is about what we would say Stroud is worth. And now we're saying that that literally these factors like strength of schedule, short week, and a, debut, a debuting quarterback, debuting quarterback is worth the same as Stroud. I think it's time to take that debutante word off the table. Everyone's copying that. I hate that word because I don't know what it means. <laughs> okay. If you were here, we would do that. <laughs> but what do you think? I, I think the fact that it's three to one in terms of this, you know, the, what we're talking about, even though my power ratings disagree, like I, I, I think, you know, but Stroud isn't just a rookie quarterback. He's a rookie quarterback with really big time experience in college. Also, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe AJ can speak about that. Does that count in terms of an NFL playoff game? I don't think it does. And we'll get AJ's thoughts, but I think it's more important to say he hasn't been susceptible to the rookie problems. It almost feels like Joe Burrow on steroids, meaning that Burrow was able in year two and three to do different things with the team than you'd expect. But even in his first year, he got hurt after like eight games. I mean, this Stroud has had as big of an effect as a rookie as certainly in the last 15 years. There's a list here. CBS Sports did a list this week of the best rookie seasons Mm -hmm. by quarterbacks. It's got Stroud listed fifth. Holy cow. What's the top four? Uh, Baker Mayfield, four. That's stupid. Uh, Number three, Cam Newton. Uh, I don't remember exactly, so maybe. Number two, Justin Herbert. And oh, that, that, forget it. Well, st- I mean, statistically, <laughs> Herbert's on the list. No, no, it's I mean, stupid. It's stupid. Herbert. I mean, statistically, Justin Herbert's rookie year was better than C.J. Stroud's. Well, under this theory, statistically, uh, he's the best quarterback in the world, except he has the fifth pick in the draft. So, and I mean, number number one's Russell Wilson. Yeah, see, Russell, well, that's horrible. Russell, Russell is the only rookie uh, to throw for 3,000 yards and win a playoff game. 23 rookies have thrown for 3,000 yards. Only one won a playoff game, and that's Russell Wilson. His A dot as rookie year was 10.3. Yeah, he, Big he, time throw, 7.1%. Now, what's funny is they don't have Big Ben, even though they went 15-1, and one, and, and they're right not to have Big Ben because Big Ben was a total game manager that year. But you know what? So was Russell Wilson his first year. But they arbitrarily say, well, 3,000. What did, look up Big Ben in 04. I think it's 04. Might be 03. And see his rookie year and see how many yards he had. He probably had like 29, 20. And they're going to say, okay. Because to me, Stroud is the only one of those quarterbacks that's the focus of the offense. Mm-hmm. They try to run the ball, but, man, it doesn't work. That first first play touchdown, 75 yards last week. <laughs> 26-21 is rookie year. Yeah, so but they were, they were 15-1. and one. And he was 13-0 and 0 as a starter. Yeah, so maybe that was okay. But they were smart enough to say, well, he really got carried by that D. Well, you know what? So did the Legion of Boom carry Russell Wilson. Stroud's the youngest player in NFL history to lead the league in touchdown-to-interception ratio. Wow. And, and you would think – Faz, I got to tell you, there hasn't been a rookie quarterback that I've been more afraid of, meaning I don't want to bet against this guy. Like, just generally, I don't. I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, it feels like Stroud is like better than Dak right now. And he has a really high football IQ for a rookie. So often we like, like, you, you see hardened veterans do stupid things like throw the ball out of bounds on fourth down. 
and he seems to always make the right decision, seems to know when he's not that much of a runner, but when he really needs to move the sticks, he can go ahead and get you the yards. I mean, the eye test, I, I love the kid watching him. I think an interesting way to, to word it is, if you're the Texans, how many, how many teams could offer you their quarterback for Stroud straight up and you'd take it? I don't. I mean, like two. Be, I'm three? not sure who that would even be. I mean, maybe Mahomes because he's still young. I'd say maybe, but I think zero when you just count the age. I mean, and the contract and yeah. The oh, only thing I would say oh, is wait, 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 wait a minute. Mahomes is God. I'm, I, well, I want I, God. I, I know. I know that you heard someone say that. So now you're saying it. I don't. I don't understand how you can have a season in which you're what is he in the QBR? Let's just let's pick our random thing like twelfth or something. Is, a bad year this year. Yeah, but at some point, like when you have a bad year, and now you're it's and now you're in the state that you're going to be in, which is you're making fifty, sixty million a year, and you're going to make it every year. Now maybe it's going to be some more, some less. What was he seventh? Seventh. Okay. Well, if you look at dude, but Stroud was fifteenth by QBR. Well, yeah, but but no one's saying that the Stroud's better today. No. And and I mean, listen, let's be clear. I'm I'm I hate anything that causes people not to think. So when people say, oh, he's God, that tells me you're not thinking about it. I think in generally Fez is right, everyone's right that says this kind of thing, is he's clearly the best quarterback. The only person that you could – I mean, Burrow, you could start debating if he didn't get hurt seemingly non – I mean, it's starting to be a problem. If he gets hurt one more time in the next two years, it's a problem. Where you, There's a big chunk of the time you're not going to be competitive because yeah. he's hurt. Right? That's one. Now, Josh Allen seems to be somehow a mental case or whatever it is that causes him to keep throwing interceptions and risking the ball. I don't know if he ever wins. And, and you know what I know is, uh, and we'll get to Buffalo, so I, I should save this, but it does seem like the Buffalo combination of pressure, because they never won a Super Bowl, and his general personality Josh Allen doesn't go well together. But I also think the three guys you just mentioned are the only guys even in the discussion to trade for C.J. Stroud. Like yeah, if you're and Texans. I wouldn't trade with Burrow. I mean, he's, he gets just hurt too injury much. Risk. It's, it's a big risk. Yeah. Right? Um, and Herbert, I think, has more talent. But, again, it's kind of funny. This guy goes in a team with three wins last year, and now they're in the playoffs. Yeah. And rookie head coach, too. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think this is um, – I'm staying off it, but if it wasn't – if it was just a normal Sunday – if this game was a week from now and was week 16 and this line is this, it's one of my biggest bets of the year. On the Texans? Yeah, for sure. Okay. The, uh, yeah. No, I was going to wrap up this game. I have a yeah. prop on this Go game. Ahead. And it's uh, David Njoku over five and a half catches at minus 105. Yeah. Uh, in the first matchup when these two teams played a couple of weeks ago, he had six catches on nine targets for 44 yards and a touchdown. His nine targets in that game were the second most behind Amari Cooper, who had an insane mm -hmm. 15 targets in that game. For the entire season, Njoku's gone over five and a half catches, eight games. But in the five games with Joe Flacco, four times mm -hmm. he's gone over five and a half. In the five games playing with Joe Flacco, Njoku is averaging six catches per game, and nine targets per game. And this season, the Texans are allowing over six catches per game to tight ends on average. I think Njoku easily catches six balls in this They game. are the sixth worst uh, team in, in receptions allowed by tight ends. Or, excuse me, it's the second worst It's at over six. Okay, so a lot of people might say, oh, you're talking about one-game sample size, why do we care? But when there's a specific defense that has specific tendencies, goes against a specific receiver that has tendencies, 
people tend to burn a certain team or not. Now, if it gets so bad that they have to start accommodating it or accounting for it, now they can stop them, but then something else weakens. I don't think the one game is going to maybe accomplish that. I just look at the five games that Joe Flacco has been quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And it seems like he's just looking for the tight end any chance he can get. So, Fez, Flacco, it's so funny because I hate Flacco. As a Steelers fan. But you respect him. But I respect him. It's just uh, it's a Steelers-Raven kind of thing. I mean, we won another one, but okay. No biggie. Um, I guess I got to do something against Mr. Harbaugh in Michigan. God, it's, it felt like everything's going wrong. And then all of a sudden Harbaugh wins a title? How could that be? Um, uh, Fez, you, have talked, you talk about Flacco right now the same way you talked about him the first week he came in. Now, some people are saying they should not only give him the player of the or the comeback player of the year, they should rename the trophy <laughs> the Flacco comeback player of the year. Um, is it just what? What is it? What is it? You think if you just keep saying he's horrible long enough, the odds are they won't win the Super Bowl, and you can act like I like I'm going to say like that's an advantage with Herbert. He can go to the uh, conference championship next year. How many Super Bowls does he have? None. Okay. Because you know what? The odds of anyone winning it are, you know, five, seven, six, seven to one, even if you were the, one of the best teams. Like, Flacco has had to shock you with his performance, right? Or did you expect this? Oh, I didn't expect it at all. I had him rated just off the couch a minus four crappy third string quarterback, and he's playing like a competent starting quarterback. In the, I mean, he's playing better than Geno Smith, basically. I mean, it, it's just blowing my mind. You know, part of it, when I watch the games, Flacco is exceptional. So often the rookie quarterbacks, like a guy's wide open and he just doesn't miss him. And the wide receiver throws his hands up in the air. And Flacco is great at reading the coverages. When a guy's wide open down the field and seems like it's always Najoku, he hits him consistently. And he takes something off. He never overthrows him. He doesn't have to hit him completely in stride. So he's very savvy about his success rate on those passes is so much better than even like a Josh Allen who can throw the ball through the barn, obviously, but somehow keeps overthrowing wide open receivers occasionally. So Flacco is exceptional at that. I still think he throws a lot of balls that could be intercepted that haven't been. We'll see what happens under adversity in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, everything you said makes sense except under adversity in the playoffs because you can make the case that Joe Flacco is one – if you say his regular season – compared to his playoff performances, and I'm not even talking about just the run to the Super Bowl, is he may be one of the top 10 players that excel in the playoffs relative to his regular season. What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say what you were going to say. I mean, this is a guy who's been an elite performer in the playoffs, and I think one thing that's wild for him is a a guy who, the only guy on this list who's had more playoff success. What list are we talking about? The list of quarterbacks that Mm -hmm. are playing this week. The only one that's got more success is Patrick Mahomes. So, but... The only one who has low well, God, God would have a lot right. of success. If you said stack stack rank these in order of expectations, like it might Mason Rudolph probably has lower expectations than Flacco, and then it's Flacco. Like well, expectations from before his first start. No, I mean like like right now, as far as like pressure to to win. Like oh oh okay. Like so it feels like there's no pressure on Joe Flacco. Like anything you get out of Joe Flacco is found money for the Browns. And well, Flacco had. If you want to talk about alligator blood, I couldn't tell if he knew where he was most of the time. <laughs> I mean, he has this du- this dumbfounded look on his face always. 
And you know what? I think it is an advantage. If you don't know this is this foul shots for the championship, you don't feel any pressure, do yeah. you? I mean, there's something about him that makes him unflappable. I never heard the unflappable Joe Flacco, but I kind of like that because there's a little alliteration, something in there. He's the only player, I think, if I heard this right, in the history of the NFL that won a playoff game his first four years. Wow. All right, so let's take a look at that and make sure that's right. Okay, a lot of people got Flacco. I mean, we were talking about rookie quarterbacks winning in the playoffs. Well, Flacco's one of them. Um, you had a couple other trends here, or, yeah. or facts that are interesting. Yeah, facts. Fact just some looking call at it. quarterbacks sorted by most postseason wins. Mm -hmm. And Joe Flacco currently has 10. He's one away from Aaron Rodgers, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, and Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomes is young. Obviously, he's going to have more, but still. He's ahead of. Troy Aikman? He's ahead of Russell Wilson, Kurt Warner, Drew Brees, Steve Young, Dan Marino, and Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly played in four Super Bowls, and Flacco has more playoff wins than him. And, he, and, and who has a Super Bowl ring on their finger? Joe Flacco. And <laughs> Mahomes. And who else that's quarterbacking this year? Anyone? Uh, there's one more. Um, it is. Not from Baltimore. It's Matt Stafford. All right, Stafford. So we got three Super Bowl winners here. Uh, Fez, I, I mean, it seems weird. Is He's probably, what, playing like the 14th best quarterback in the league? I think a little better. All right, so 12th, 11. I mean, is that how you're ranking him? Like right now, you're saying, or do you think this got to end? Because there's backward looking that's descriptive versus predictive what would your guess be about Flacco's performance in these playoffs? Yeah, 18th, slightly below average. I just can't believe he just was unable to, like, get any playing time for four straight years. Then the NFL just completely missed on him. If he wasn't good at 36, how can he be, like, average at 39? But, but let's be it. honest. If the Jets are the ones making the assessment, <laughs> don't, don't you have to call into question the, the, the said, very assessment? Good. Zach Wilson. The very, the very assessment itself has to be called into question. And before that, they said, you know who's good? Oh, Sam, Sam Darnold. That's the guy you want to be like, Flacco. They, you were, right, take, they were right about that guy. You, got, yeah, you want to take some lessons <laughs> on the way out of town. Um, and Flacco's the first player in NFL history and only to win a playoff game in his first four seasons? Yeah. This dude seems ready for the playoffs, Fez. He doesn't even know Makes it's the, the playoffs. Super Bowl, he's going to be ready for the Hall of Fame. Doesn't even know it's the playoffs. <laughs> All right. Um, and one other negative for Houston, though they're getting a receiver back, they, they're depleted. Tank. Dale. Yeah, he's yeah, on the IR as still. a broken fibula. Noah Brown's the one who they were hoping to get back. He hasn't practiced yet this week. It looks like he's probably not going to play. Okay, so, I mean, you really think about it. You've got a lot of playmakers taken away. You've got the strength of schedule trend that, that is more than 10 slots. 27th Houston strength of schedule, 6th Cleveland. You've got the whole um, inaugural rookie quarterback <laughs> effort. And you've got the injuries. It all points to Cleveland. I like Houston other than those factors, so I'm passing it. Um, I guess it was a forced play on every game. You got your prop. Fez, what would your – I mean, if you played a prop, if you – I mean, what, what do you think – what do you feel like is most likely to happen here? Like, we know – do we know Cleveland gets their points? I mean, do we know – I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I really think the teaser – I know it's I know it's a long teaser and it's obvious, but – I don't see Houston getting blown out. I, I I think Houston teasers are good. 
Okay, that's interesting. Now, do you tease more or less in the playoffs? More, because I feel like you're never going to get a situation where any team's ever going to make a business decision or, or get when they get down. But then again, conversely, when teams they had, they're going to go for the throat. But it just seems like it, it plays much more to form than during the regular season where you get to get some really wacky results. And, and the only Wong partner for it, at least as of the lines that we're looking at today, would be Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. So you'd have to play with Dallas. Okay. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to agree with AJ. The more I think about this is if, if Houston – I mean, Flacco's very game – is throwing the ball up for grabs in certain spots that lead to scoring in either case. Either they catch it or there's turnovers. So I think his style of play leads to more scoring. And I think that I trust CJ is going to get his points. And especially if they're behind, he's going to keep throwing. Um, so, so personally, I would go with, you know, I wonder, it's funny, we're going to put a same game parlay together on one of these. We're going to d- decide after and tape it separately. But I kind of think to myself, if Baltimore wins clean, like Baltimore first half, Scott, maybe could you maybe put this together real quick and uh, just to see, and then we'll move on. Baltimore, oh, I'm sorry, check that. Cleveland first half, let's say, and let's say Cleveland wins, uh, let's say covers. All right, so Cleveland is uh, both halves, right? And then, um, well, I guess they wouldn't have to be. It'd be the first half, and then they cover. And then put in uh, McLeod over passing yards. Like, that seems counterintuitive in a way. You know, more yards the team loses. But I can very much see him just throwing and throwing from behind. And I see a, a Collins just getting out of this running if they fall behind by 10. So I kind of like almost like an alternative line in the first half. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, I think the Houston over goes way over. So yeah. you want Brown's first half, yeah. Brown's to cover for the game, mm-hmm. and C.J. Stroud over passing yards, yeah. plus 360. Plus 360. That's interesting. So, yeah. So to me, that's what's so fun about this. We can, if you can see one clear – uh, game state series of game states. If it's got enough payoff, it, it you know it can be one of those things. You don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, this is a good bet, and it will happen enough that it's a good bet overall. I'm not saying this one and is, and in this case, you do think it's going to happen, so it's all the better. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of what what three out of four of our major factors basically have it play out that way. And if Cleveland gets the lead, you know, Stroud's going to be throwing all like crazy. Can you, yeah. Can you add in just two things just to see, and then we'll go to the next game. One is go Stroud over, like not just his normal passing yards, but maybe like two ticks above that. What, you know, they have the alternative payouts. Yeah. Over 275, I can go. Okay. And then add in one other thing. Browns just don't win the first half, but they win by, let's say, six and a half or more, or, or some alternative line I think they have, right? So instead of, forget about Brown's first half, just no, Brown's on the alternate no, line? No, no, no. I was saying Brown's in the first half winning by a lot, more than just pick them. You know, like, I wouldn't want to go over six and a half. But to me, Brown's winning by, like, laying six and a half in the first half. Stroud throwing for more than 275, and Brown's holding on to win. Cover the game, yeah. But, you know, or to cover, especially at two and a half. Yeah. I think that gets very. I mean, I bet that baby pays like thirty to one. Mm-hmm. It, it, Can't do a Browns like alternate. I can do Browns first half margin, so it would have to be exact margin. No, no. All right, then maybe just throw in Browns first quarter too, just to kind of double up that they're going to do well. I, I'm just you know, and then over the two seventy five. Mm-hmm. I'm just interested to see what it does. 
All right, so ne- I'll set up the next game, and then we'll get that. So here we go. You got uh, Browns to cover the game, Browns to cover the first quarter, the first half, and mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud over 275 passing yards plus 850. That's interesting. See, I don't. more I think I don't like the first quarter as much because who knows? It might be 3-3, but the key is when you get to the second half. Okay. So plus 525. Yeah. First half, Browns. Full game Browns, 275 plus, plus 525. You know what's funny? Maybe I'm getting sucked into these, but whenever I see, like, there's a 10-point, 11-point favor, right? Let's say Pittsburgh winning the game, right? So what's the money line on Pittsburgh winning the game? That seems like a crazy event. Pittsburgh Plus win- 370. So we're saying what I put together is is half as likely as Pittsburgh winning the game. That doesn't seem no way Pittsburgh's gonna win. I mean, doesn't that seem wrong? Doesn't it seem like the it really is weird? I don't know what phenomenon causes that, but okay, next game. And when we do let's consider that one for when we do our same game parlay. Miami, Kansas City. Right now, Kansas City up to four and a half. What was the opener? Like three? Uh opener was three. Yeah. Three. And um, the weather is a big factor. Fez, you're on the weather more than anyone. What do you got uh, as the weather report? I have Kansas City as my top-rated play, five-weight. My love this game. Power ratings only make it three and a half. Don't care. Three major reasons. Number one, weather. I've got a team from South Beach that just played Sunday night at home. Um, I went back in their schedule. They played a game in Baltimore early in December. They've been in Miami for a month. Now they got to go to 10 degrees. So immediate, huge disadvantage to the fish. But on top of that, the NFL did them no favors. It's a 14-6 game where Kansas City basically mailed in their game with their, their most important players last week. Didn't play Mahomes. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't mail in the whole second half of the season? Or the- <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Kansas City's been at, at a disadvantageous you know rest for like the last six weeks, and now they get a great spot where Miami had to play an all-in game Sunday night against Buffalo for the division. Now they got to wheel back with only six days to prepare and Kansas City, you know, with a meaningless game last week. And then further, you know, I'm not a huge injury guy. Obviously, it's been well documented how banged up Miami is. Uh, I went to my friends here, Sports Information Central, that's Dr. Chow's group, um, and they rate every team. How injured are they? And they give it a numeric number, and they weight it by how important the players are. And 85 is right around average this time of year. And Kansas City, super healthy. They're 91 and a half. Miami, 78.7. They're the worst. They and Pittsburgh are the two worst teams of the playoff teams. So I have a very healthy team against a very unhealthy team and a good spot in 10 degrees. I, I think Kansas City wins comfortably. So when Steelers won to make the playoffs again and cost you how much money? 50000 Yes, before I started hedging. Do yes. you do you? Yeah, yeah. The secret bets is do <laughs> never loses. It, it, it's not enough that he wins twenty some thousand. Like you know, it's like no, I I, I won tens of thousands on hedges. Don't worry, I'm fine. <laughs> he could have he could have lost Survivor and still would have came out. Must be nice. It would have been better yeah. somehow. Oh, it was good that I lost that game. <laughs> Go on, Fez. Even if it's true, you don't want to say it. You don't want people to think you got every angle covered. There got to be. I just did. Well, that's the point. Is 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 people like someone to have something at risk? I personally, I don't like. I don't. I don't know if I've ever hedged in my life. Well, I had a prenup, but I mean, that, <laughs> that was that was different. No. Um, 
the uh, but but I guess the thought is you've been anti Pittsburgh since last year, and like in a way that I found offensive at different points. Have you come around? Do you feel like you pick against them so much, and you're probably what thirty percent picking against them? You know, yeah, it's interesting because Pittsburgh Tomlin's like the anti Belichick in many ways. So Belichick, you know, you could argue made all these great game decisions that you know um, overruled the bad stats. But Tomlin doesn't make good game decisions. But maybe, maybe sometimes there's things that, like we're not quantifying enough that you know that aggressive ball hawking defense. We talk about turnovers being random, but maybe you know the TJ Watt factor and the like you know, them making those plays. How many times do you have to see the Steelers get outstatted and then see Mika take it to the house at a, at a key point in time? They just keep doing it over and over. And I, I say this too, Pittsburgh's a good, bad weather team. And uh, it was crappy weather against uh, Baltimore. And clearly Pittsburgh, especially Najee Harris, thrived in that weather. Um, yeah, I thought watching some of that game, I felt like the team itself uh, – well, I guess we'll wait and get to Pittsburgh next. But but doubling back to Miami, so they are one of the two most injured teams by these this metric, by Dr. Chow. Yes, so the the numeric is Miami's a 78.7. There's actually three injured teams. This surprised me. Cleveland is 78.9 and Pittsburgh 77. So well, those remember are the, the Cleveland teams. the Cleveland offensive line has been beat up yeah. for a long time. So those are the three teams sub-80. Those are the three most injured teams. Okay. So if we look at strength of schedule here, um, and Fez has his top play. This is his best bet on Kansas City. Uh, strength of schedule is 28 Miami, 19 Kansas City. I'm going to do some quick math. That's nine. It's almost 10. So it's not in <laughs> the system, but it's almost there. Um, <clears throat> so I did some analysis on Kansas City – and if you look just at, I did, a, I created a little um, consoli- consolidated stat, which considered one third yards per play on offense, one third points, and one third um, net first downs. So points, oh no, no, in this case it wasn't net first downs, it was first downs. So first downs, points, yards per play, third each. I did a, a, a Z value on those, and then I was able to make it, it just aligns them where they're, they're lined up in a way that makes sense, and then divided by three, and looked at Kansas City. Kansas City had like their, their best four or five performances were in the first half of the year. Like if you say, what is the best performance they've had in the second half of the year? Um, it was only against, let's think about this. They uh, oh it was well the Bears was their best of the whole year but they but they blew them out early but there was one big game I I think it was against Cincinnati maybe yeah it was against Cincinnati would have been in the top five and that was later in the year but that's the only one of the whole second half so not only is this and and I think it aligns with Kelsey right so if we look at the season long stats they look a lot better than the second half stats when a team gets old they tend to have trouble later in the year. And since not many of their receivers have stepped up, because you'd think young receivers, look at Green Bay, they kind of step up. You know, the one guy has, but um, I forget, Isaiah's, uh, who's the one receiver that's become their ace receiver now? For for Green Can- Bay? No, Kansas City. For Kansas City, Rashi Rice? Yeah, yeah, okay, Rashid Rice. Rashi Rice, yeah. Yeah, he's gotten better, I think, 
right? Fez, I had a I, I had a tip on him like in week four, went over, and we 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 got it. I remember. <laughs> but other than that, it doesn't feel like this team's getting better, and it feels like they're getting older. And Kelsey at the forefront of that. Thoughts? Yeah, that's why I was really happy to see Kelsey forego his contract incentives and sit last week. I think that was a huge plus for this game. Yeah, he was probably daydreaming about Swifties. Or well, sweat. I think also he only needed 16 yards to get his thousand yards. And I think once they saw Sam Laporta for the Lions go down with an injury, that's when Andy Reid probably made the decision that Kelsey was not going to play. What did he get paid for a commercial, like $40 million or something? I mean, like he, he's making so much money at this point. It wasn't about money. It was just about to get his eighth straight okay. thousand yard season. Yeah. But in a weird way, that's bad he didn't. If you really think about it, that must say he was feeling like crap, right? Because if you can, I mean, is, would that have been some kind of crazy record? Like, has anyone done that no, as, a, as a tight end? The, he already has the record. So he could have extended yeah. a yeah. record that we know these tight ends are catching more passes now. Yeah. And for him to say, no, I don't want to suit up. Did he suit up? No, he was, he was yeah. inactive. Oh, Fez, I think that's a negative. I think it helps him that he did that, but I think it's a sign of some real health issues. Nah, I think I think he's fat, drunk, and happy with Taylor Swift, and he well, doesn't need to put up a thousand yards. Huh. All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think you're right, but that doesn't recommend Kansas City anymore, does it? <laughs> um, where do you have Kansas City ranked? Because I could see this pick, and I certainly lean this way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So KC's fifth, and Miami's ninth. And you're accounting for the injuries by ninth. Okay. Yes. Uh, fifth. So who's sixth? Detroit. Rams are seven. Cleveland's eight. Boy, do we think KC's better than Cleveland? What would KC be at Houston? They'd be more than this. They're almost. They'd probably be three. They'd, they'd be, be more three. Yeah. All right. I don't know. That could also just be public perception. I tell you this: if KC wins clean here. And it feels like it's the weather. It feels like it's the injuries. I like Faye and KC next week. First time on the road. In theory, they'll be on the road, right? In theory, they'd be at, well, if Buffalo wins, they'd be at Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good spot. Okay. So if Buffalo wins, that guarantees it's Baltimore because there's only four teams left. Yeah, because Baltimore's one, Buffalo's two. Okay. So if Buffalo wins, Kansas City wins. Kansas City would play Buffalo, and whoever—I mean, whoever would play uh, the Cleveland-Houston winner would play. Oh, Baltimore. so Kansas City eliminates one of those teams themselves. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. What's the line in that game, Fez? I bet it's—I bet it's three. Buffalo well, two and a half. I bet it's two and a half. If it's two and Remember, a half, I'll bet the Bills. Casey's going to get an extra day of rest, so the markets will respect that too. All right, this is. But would you agree? Who, if it were two and a half, do, you don't like Kansas City in that game, do you? Against Buffalo, I, oh God no. Yeah, God so no. this is more of a fade of Miami and a belief that they got one. Get the pedigree gets them one is what you're saying. The pedigree, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 Miami has great year long stats. I don't care. They're no good anymore, and this, they're in a terrible role. So Kansas City's just getting getting a luck box draw here. And this is this also fits into the the system we were talking about with first time playoff starters against experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. against experienced playoff starters. Because remember, two. Well, but but remember now, two. He st- oh, he Skylar didn't Thompson Skylar played Thompson. last year. Oh. But you know, I've but seen, he did cover Skylar Thompson. I've <laughs> seen studies though that said. That uh, it's really about the teams, and in a way, this is kind of a surrogate for it. The team's experience matters. Have they been in the playoffs the last two years is a big predictor. Mm. Um, 
but if your quarterback wasn't, it does hurt you, right? So that's interesting. I have to bring something up to you, and I know you're going to get mad at me about it. Okay. So I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm just warning you. All right. Well, you should warn yourself. The four, the four road wins for the Dolphins. Okay. Commanders, Chargers. So now, so now what we're going to do is say, hold I, on, I, hold on. <laughs> now what we're going to do is say we won't look at the whole season's wins. We're going to look at these eight games. And chances are they played, what, two good teams in there? They played four good teams okay. and four bad teams. All right, go ahead. I want to see who's bad. Go okay. ahead. Okay, Patriots, uh-huh. Jets, uh-huh. Commanders, mm-hmm. Chargers. Mm-hmm. Those are their wins. Who's the worst of those? Maybe the Chargers. Uh, <laughs> Patriots are worse. Yeah. Really? Oh, and Commanders, yeah. Really? Interesting. Yeah, Chargers pick after both those teams. Uh, <laughs> Wait, imagine bragging that. But imagine, like, literally thinking you had the best young quarterback, their, and now you're thinking that. Their losses, Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Ravens. Their average loss was 21.5 points per game in those four games. And how much did they lose the Chiefs to by? Seven. Chiefs was in Germany. Yeah. So that doesn't seem like, I mean, if anything, that that kind of, I mean, that felt like a game if they played it 100. Again, it was a different injury situation. But they play that game 100 times. Miami covers at least 45 of them, I think. See, I, I felt different, I guess, and maybe it's because of the way the game flow went. The Chiefs were up 21 nothing at halftime. And it felt like the Chiefs went into a mode where, they just kind of cruised, and it let the Dolphins. What get... does that mean? Kind of cruise. Well, Miami shut them out in the second half. It, it, was, yeah. it was four. It was fourteen nothing, and Miami like gave up a forty-five yard fumble six at the end of the first half. So that kind of that, that was the end of the game, basically. That went so from fourteen to twenty-one. Yeah, at yeah, that it went point, twenty-one nothing at yeah. the end of the first half. So and if like you AJ win by said, seven, and you seek, yeah, just it, just said we got it. And if yeah. you if you have a pick or a fumble return for a touchdown, you win by seven. Usually, it was a pretty tight game by definition, okay. right? Um, but that said, this is a different team. If that Miami team was getting three or, or four here, I would or four and a half, I would love it. This team, I I held on last week. Um, I thought, hey, Miami plus three, it's too many points, and they they had multiple injuries in that game, and no one's coming back. So they, they literally have the three best linemen out. I have a feeling this could be a high rushing. I kind of like the under here, and I, I think there's going to be a lot of run in both sides. I, I love the under. Uh, the game had 35 points in the first matchup, and that included, like Fez said, a, a fumble six. So it was a low-scoring game the first time. Well, you don't have an official play on this, do you? No, but we but wanted But no, no, it. I want it. But you're saying you love the under, but, but you no. love the other ones more? No, I, I mean, if my, for my play on this game, yeah, I, go ahead, I, go ahead. my opinion on this game, I like the under. All right, yeah, 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 go ahead. Uh, I I just think that, I mean, you mentioned it, the offensive line injuries for the the Dolphins continue. Tyreek Hill is so dumb. This guy who is supposedly barely able to get around on his ankle catches a touchdown and does a backflip and then has to leave the game later with with the ankle again. It's like they don't have any sense. But now Tyreek Hill, bad ankle. Jalen Waddell, bad ankle. Both have to be on this snowy field. Like, I, I... somebody's going to end up being hurt. There's, like They're going to have to be conservative offensively. And Tua's first career playoff start on the road, sub-zero temps with wind, uh, it just feels like this is a, a recipe for, for the Dolphins to, to have a disaster on, on offense. So this is my four-way. It's the second half under 22-and-a-half. And the reason why I chose the second half versus the game, which I do like the game, but I think the weather actually comes more into play the later it gets into the night. So this is a 7.15 p.m. local kickoff on Saturday night. Second half, it's going to be around 9 o'clock at night. It's going to go from negative 4 to negative 
16, negative 20, like with the wind chill factor. It's only going to get colder as it gets later on into the evening. And I do think that that cold and, and that weather does impact both of these teams. And then you just look at Kansas City this entire season. They've gone under the second half total 15 times at home They are combined, not just their points per game per second half, the combined points in the second half in their games at home this year, 13.8. So I think that both of these teams, it could be a tight game. It's going to be a lot of running the football. The the coldness is going to have a bigger impact the later in the night this thing goes. And so I like the under 22.5 in the second half for the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Fez, your thoughts on that play? Yeah, I like it. Uh, you've been on that second half under for quite some time, and I did amp up, and I just put this in, but uh, Miami Dolphins team total under 20 and a half minus 15 was available in a book. That is very attractive to me. I, I echo AJ's thoughts with in 10 degree weather. I, I really think, you know, oftentimes there's more scoring than you expect in these games because the um, it's hard to tackle in 10 degrees, but by definition, that oftentimes means more running and I don't think the Miami Dolphins rushing attack is going to be effective in the cold weather. So Miami under team total under 20 and a half is good also. RJ, what do you like for this game? Well, let me ask you this question. I have a same game parlay thought that might lead into something. Let's look at Kansas City winning handily, let's say by six and a half or, or seven or more, eight or more Let's in the game, maybe nine and a half even. And – I want to go under Tua's passing yards because I have a feeling if they're down 14 and it's the middle of the third quarter, they might not just keep passing. Because if you can't win and it's going to feel futile in that cold, do you put Tua? Tua's head goes against that one time. If he gets, think of the two scenarios you made the playoffs, you got hurt, you lost to the Super Bowl champions on the road. That's not a horrible season. But you add that plus, and Tua got his first concussion of the year, and we're not sure if he's going to come back or not. That feels like a drastically different narrative. And I know NFL teams don't usually think like this. I got a feeling they're going to keep running the ball. And 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 usually you would think a team losing by that many points would – have a lot of passing yards. That's why I think we might get a good payout. What do we got? So Chiefs minus nine and a half on the alternate spread and Tua under 237 and a half is plus 310. But that doesn't pay at all what I would think. Jesus. What what does the nine and a half itself pay? Nine and a half itself is going to be let's see plus 170. It's funny you said 237 and a half and I went I was like okay let me look at a game where the Dolphins got blown out. I looked at the Baltimore game Tua, 237 yards passing in that game. <laughs> Under. 30, 38 <laughs> attempts, 237 yeah, yards. Yeah, usually you're going to keep throwing. But I also think with the weather, yeah, it you know makes it – well, although there was weather in that game too. I would say on this game, um, this isn't one of my better games, but I would go with Kansas City like Fez. Uh, I just think Miami's so beat up. And, I mean, last week when they're getting three – I mean, really think about – this is interesting – so Miami to Kansas City, considering the weather, is what? Maybe even a five-point adjustment, Fez? Um, Let's think about I, that. Miami at home with their hot weather to Kansas Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, so it, like it, when we go one and a half in each direction, three, 
and then we would say an extra half point for a warm weather in Miami and certainly an extra point and a half for the cold weather of Kansas City. So five, yeah. All right, so let's say five that, yeah, it could be four and a half. I don't think it's more than five. Let's say five for a round number for a second. Now, Miami was uh, a three-point dog at home against Buffalo. So that means that they were perceived, Buffalo was perceived to be four points or so better. And then if we do a five-point swing, that means that line here should be eight. Right? So they're saying Buffalo is the better, better than Kansas City by far. Yeah, and I only have Buffalo by a smidge better. Half a point. Half a point better than Kansas City. Yes. Okay. But really, based on the odds last week, this is saying that Buffalo is a lot better than Kansas City. It is. Okay. Absolutely. That's interesting. Okay. So I'm going to agree with Fez. Uh, and again, mostly injuries. Next up, Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Steelers. You might not have heard Tomlin hasn't had a losing season. We we tend to beat up on Ravens is what we, you know, just in general. Um Another thought I'll get to. And by the way, the biggest bet here, Scott, looks like you've got, what, your three weight on it? Yep. That's going to be the biggest. I'll just say one more thing. Is if you do a search on EPA and you do it for the season, all right, but you go down to a, a number of passes, a minimum number of passes that allows Rudolph, Mr. Rudolph, <laughs> my new guy. I hated him a couple years ago. But you know what? It's slim. We don't have Big Ben gone at this point. It's slim pickings. <laughs> um, if you go down, I think it was 75 or something past, but you know, you have to go down to make him qualified. And the number one quarterback in the NFL this season at that pass number or above is Mason Rudolph. If you do it by EPA and completion percentage over expectation hybrid, which is considered the analytically most advanced, best way to judge a quarterback is those two stats, and they blend them together because like the one stat speaks to one thing, the other stat speaks to accuracy, and it's not even close. I'll, re- I'll let Scott give his handicap, and then I'll read you the top quarterbacks, and we'll say who doesn't belong here. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, well, first off, and my play is on Pittsburgh catching the 10 points, and the Buffalo Bills – they are not, AJ likes to say they're bullies, right? Oh, jeez. But, but they're not because they don't cover as double-digit favorites, RJ. In fact, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills have lost seven consecutive against the spread when favored by double digits. So the last seven times Buffalo has been favored by 10 or more, they did not cover all of those games. Last year in the playoffs, they, were, they didn't cover any of those. They didn't games. cover any of them. Any of them. Last year, they were 15 point favorites in the wild card game against Skylar Thompson in Miami, and they barely beat them by three. I look at this game and I see the weather. Right now, we have 25 mile per hour winds, 50 mile per hour wind gusts. So this but, is, this feels like the Monday night game with that's the Patriots. The, the last time the winds were this extreme with the 25 and the and the gusts up to 50 was in that game against the Patriots where, you know, what they threw two two passes, Mac Jones threw the entire game. Meanwhile, Josh Allen was chucking the ball down the field for some reason. Uh I do think that that wind does, dense. that wind is going to be a major factor here and both teams are going to be running the football, which it, it it's good for both teams. They're both highly ranked in terms of each PA both offensively running the football and defensively against the run. And Buffalo has been running the football more lately ever since, you know, the, the offensive coordinator switch. 
But I think that's going to lead to the clock ticking and a lot of three yards and a cloud so of what's light. A to- what's the total? The 36 to- and a half. Total is 36 and a half. But I like catching the 10 here because I think that the clock's going to be ticking. It's going to be a lot of three yards and a cloud of light snow. And I think <laughs> the Steelers keep this one close. Look at last week against the Ravens in that disgusting rain game. The way that they just pounded the rock with Najee Harris, I think it's going to be a very similar game plan here. He had 26 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown last week against the Ravens. He is built for this type of game, for this type of weather. I like the Steelers to keep this within double digits, given that the Bills, yep. their inability to cover double digits, and with the weather limiting the passing game, Mason Rudolph just has to turn around and hand it off, and I'm fine with that. Well, remember, Rudolph had a beautiful pass on an in route that they I mean, broke the game open against yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, slant route, yep. Um, these are the best quarterbacks in football with 75 or more passes because Rudolph had 76. So here we go. Number one, Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, his combined EPA and CPOE is .26. Whatever that means, it's .26. The next best is Brock Purdy. Some would say the MVP, .19. So it's seven hundredths off. Okay. Now, next up, Dak Prescott. Some would say the MVP, .16. So it's .26 down to so seven hundredths down. Then it's only three hundredths next. Then it's .159 Tua. So it's like the distance that he's up there is like from one to set or from two to seven is the same as one to two. That this sounds like a pretty good list. If you we let's forget Mason for a second. Brock Purdy, Prescott, Tua, about the about the best quarterbacks in the league, right? Mm-hmm. Fez, would you agree? I agree. I go back to baseball. If some bad shortstop like hits three home runs in in, in three straight games, they're going to stack up as well. But three I mean, home Rudolph, runs in, in three straight games—that's pr- nine home runs. <laughs> I bet that guy's really good. No, one home, one home run oh, in each game. Okay, uh, but I mean, but Rudolph—I mean, obviously played very well against the Bengals. Great against Seattle, and considering the conditions, really solid game. I think it's an advantage. I, I look towards Pittsburgh. I'm actually on the under. For my my three weight here under thirty six, um, I think that it's an an eight seven game where the Bills have seven days to prepare. They play Sunday night, so a little less than seven. Pittsburgh gets an advantage; they get to play on Saturday, and now they play Sunday. Further, they get to play in comparable conditions. A crappy, crappy day in Baltimore, and now shocker, crappy weather in Buffalo. Najee looked great in the elements. Warren didn't. I expect they feed Najee. You know. Now I'm going to play the under. This is my correlated parlay playoff game of the year. I'm going to go <laughs> Pittsburgh plus 10 to under 36. Cause I don't see Pittsburgh getting, you know, past 17 points, but it would not shock me at all to see a 14, 13, 16, 14 game. So I love that parlay. So the most recent total is what? 36 and a half. Okay. So 37 is a key number. Keep that in mind. Uh, it's the I most. I could not get a 36 anymore on my odd screen. So it's 35 and a half? 36. Some uh, 35 and a half, some 36s. Okay. All right. So 36. So if it's 10 points, then we're going to go 26. So it's 23-13 is the score we expect. So Pittsburgh's team total is like 13? Pittsburgh's team total is 12 and a half. Okay. Wow. Wow. I mean, the Buffalo D's been pretty decent. Now, here's the thing. Buffalo 
it's off, it, the team's offense has dropped off significantly since they made the OC change. It doesn't seem like it. And by some perspectives, by any efficiency stat, they've actually gotten worse by a significant margin. And they're running the ball so much more than they were. And I think it feeds into the dog in the under, for sure. But when the chips are down, this Buffalo streak, you think about it, they didn't play all that well against Miami. Who are we kidding? Right? They played yeah. all right. They didn't play well against— Offensively, they, they, they weren't very good. Say it again? Offensively. They, I thought they were good on defense. Yeah, okay. So— um, and then the week before was against uh, who was it? They were like fourteen point favorites, and they they barely won the game. Yeah. Uh, oh, it was against it was the against, Chargers, yeah, right? The Chargers. All right, the Chargers. Say the one I lost on. That was their best. That was their best performance uh, for in the season, maybe without Herbert. Might have been. And um, and then even the week. I mean, let's be candid. They beat Dallas and handily, and that was a nice win. I mean, where's the other really impressive wins? Since this, when they had to win five in a row, mm-hmm. they won. Give them credit, but we're like back to where we were on the Dolphins before the season. I don't think that's right. Yeah, they had the back-to-back wins at Kansas City and then a home against Dallas. But the Kansas City win wasn't like some offensive mm-hmm. explosion. I mean, it was twenty to maybe seventeen, twenty sixteen. Uh, so I'm going to go through the rest of these um, quarterbacks just to kind of show you how. This number feels legitimate. Now, this goes against AJ, if I'm not mistaken, but 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 Browning is next, the number five. All right. Then Josh Allen. Then now this is real curious. It caused me a little concern. Nick Mullins. <laughs> then Cousins, Hertz, Mahomes. God is 10th. That seems weird. Goff, not God. Goff is 11th. Lamar, the MVP, is 12th. Jordan Love is 13th, Stroud is 14th, Wilson, Russell Wilson, 15th, and Geno Smith, 16th, Trevor Lawrence, 17th. I mean, listen, you can say, oh, wow, I don't know really about Mullins, and I agree. But to be on the top of that list, and it's only three games, I got to tell you, the guy learned. I mean, it's sad to think three years would have gone by and he wouldn't have learned something. Mm -hmm. He didn't figure something out. But God damn, if there's any time that we're going to say maybe this guy figured something out, it'd be here. But also, he just knows his team. He, you know, working with them, working with the, the the backups. Like he, if there's anybody that knows the depth chart more than you know, it's going to be Mason Rudolph. <laughs> so my opinion on this game, RJ, is Mason Rudolph under a half interception. Uh, so basically, not to throw an interception, minus one twenty. And my thought process is. Mason Rudolph's been very careful with the football. He hasn't thrown a pick this year, and I think it's by design. They're not taking big shots. Like you saw, they kept talking in the broadcast last week about George Pickens and how he's not involved in the offense because he's the downfield guy. And in that weather, they weren't throwing the ball downfield, and he never even got a target. I think this game is going to be very similar. It's going to be a very dink and dunk game plan when he does throw the football because in this weather, he's not going to take the chances that he would take in a dome, for instance. So I think. You look at under. Interceptions and Pittsburgh plus 10. Sure. I was also looking at doing the same game parlay of under Mason Rudolph interceptions, but over Josh Allen interceptions because he throws one every game. You know when he didn't throw one? In that win game. Yeah. In the win game against New England. So if you just did uh, no interception for Mason Rudolph and Steelers plus 10, it is plus 176. It's not much of a pay. Yeah, because there's going to be a correlate. I mean, if they don't – if we add in Josh Allen to throw an interception. Well, can you add one thing, though? Can you add in Buffalo winning the game? Buffalo winning the game? Mm-hmm. Oh. 
Now this gets in because I can see a situation. Plus three fifty-five. Okay. So Buffalo wins Steelers by one to, cover by one to nine points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or tens of push, and it will, you know. Okay. So I ran some trend history. All right. Uh, on this game, uh, and I did a couple of things here. First off, I went starting in two thousand and two, and beyond. And in the playoffs, with a game total of 37 or less, in those games, the underdogs are 11-5 and five ATS. Now, if you make those dogs a touchdown or higher, this is the highest dog that we've had in a game that is totaled this mm-hmm. low. Dogs are 4-0 ATS if they're touchdown dogs or greater with a total of 37 or less. In the playoffs. In the playoffs since 2002. Makes sense. I mean, speaking of trends, and this one speaks directly to it, and it goes against a lot of the stuff we've talked about, but it just is the case, is if you have a team that's favored by more than nine points, so nine and a half, ten, ten and a half, et cetera, in the first round of the playoffs, and that favorite is a home team, I don't think anyone's been favored that much on the road, ten and one against the spread. Uh, and this goes back to 2004, and winning against the spread by 5.2, 5.2 points per game. So this is what I say all regular season. When you have an underdog, you usually are hoping for one of two things. They're underrated, they play better than you expect, or the other team's flat. You don't have the other team being flat in the playoffs. So as much as these Pretty decent teams getting the points seem juicy. I think the under. I think what I, I think Pittsburgh in that spot, like any of these teams, is not quite as good as they seem. I mean, let's be honest. They could have easily lost that. I mean, they could have lost the Baltimore game. It wouldn't have been easy. But you know, it's like Tampa. How different is Tampa? Tampa's playing worse now than they have yeah. hardly any other point in the season. But because they make the playoffs, somehow they're knighted and now they're a playoff team. Okay, they are. But in general, Pittsburgh's not much better than average, a little above average this year, maybe. I mean, not like Fez had him 26th or whatever, but average. And Buffalo is going to be focused. So I don't love the plus 10. I like all the mechanics around parlays. I mean, if you are playing the under, maybe throwing a two teamer because it is correlated makes sense. But I, I kind of think Buffalo wins by a touchdown or more. Is it seven or 14? I don't know. What's your play on this? <sighs> I don't know. You know, RJ, Buffalo may be focused mentally, but even mentally and physically, they had to win five straight games, and they just had to win in Miami. I could easily see them say, hey, we're a 10-point favorite. We got it done. We're going to win this game. It's going to be 30-mile-an-hour wins. Now, Mm -hmm. Buffalo plays in crappy weather, but I still think it favors Pittsburgh. It certainly favors Pittsburgh as a 10-point dog given they just played in crappy weather like that last week. Yeah, but I, I guess there's two ways to look at this. Right. One. Well, one thing that points us to Pittsburgh is this is another one of the plays in the strength of schedule. So Buffalo has the 23rd hardest schedule. Pittsburgh has the third. So that's that's 20 places. Um, Yeah, actually, that's more. I guess we were 21 in the Houston Cleveland. So that that very much points to Pittsburgh. And you know what? We add in the strength of schedule, Fez's point. I'm going to go with a correlated parlay. I'm going with Pittsburgh and the under. Again, I don't love Pittsburgh, but if here's the way I think about it. If it goes under, what's the chance of Pittsburgh covering? 
And I think it's it's significantly better than 52%, and that's it adds to the value, right? Fez, that's how you think about it, right? Absolutely. I would say it's probably 54.5% it goes under if Pittsburgh covers. And that, and when you do a correlated parlay, you don't care. If it if the first game loses, the, that eventuality doesn't matter because you're not live anymore. So One of the things I thought about, and it, it's funny, we haven't mentioned T.J. Watt's name mm-hmm. uh, once, but – I thought about that game, the Bills Cincinnati game last year, where the weather was bad, so the pass rush ended up ended up not mattering. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a game where, it, I mean, obviously T.J. Watt matters yeah. to that. Well, maybe team. that's just an excuse that the Bills have. <laughs> well, okay, but I'm thinking maybe that's not so much of a negative. Like T.J. Watt being gone isn't as mm-hmm. big of a negative in a game where pass rush was probably not going to matter much anyway. Well, Cam Haywood. If you actually talk about them as a running defense, mm-hmm. if you look at the games he's in versus out, they are an elite rush defense with him in, and they're not with him out. Yeah, so. I didn't mention T.J. Watt because I, I didn't think the pass rush means anything. It means much in a game with this big of a win factor because I don't think they're going to be passing enough. Uh, speaking of the Josh total, threw the ball thirty times in that game in that new, in the Patriots and, and, game, and it, and it wasn't and they lost and, and it wasn't lost. good. So that maybe they, they correct that this time. Uh, I looked up since 2012 games with a total of 37 or less and a temperature of 25 or less. Okay. 10 and 0 to the under. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let me see this. Okay. Okay. And it's going to be projected 20 something, 23 degrees with the wind chill making it wind much, chill much below colder. zero. Yeah. So here's what I would say in general, and this is kind of 101 sports batting stuff. This, the temperature doesn't really matter until you get down to below 15. The temperature. The wind matters. If, it, if the gusts get up to 20, that's the threshold of, of real trouble. The, the weather report from today said gusts 40 to 50 miles an hour are possible. So, I mean, that means you can't kick an extra point. Right. Fez, mm-hmm. explain to me, why, yeah. why is this total what it is? Why isn't this total 28? Because it opened 42 and a half, and the people that got – the first bites of the apple are sitting back and and patting themselves on the back for a while right now. But um, the, so you're saying it, most it's very the- early, similar, I think, to the Jets game last week, where remember that total started at 37, and then it was it sat around 31 and a half for a long time, and then everybody gobbled. Right? Give me some more, and closed 29, went way under. So here's my thought. What you're saying, well, what you're saying is everyone's sharp that you know professional levels, that syndicates, whatever, got down early. They got their fill, and there's not enough money in the market to bet it down from here. I think they're just a little lazy that they're they're saying, you know, I got I got a touchdown better on the number. I don't really want to push it, but there's nothing to indicate that 36 is anything but but an, still an inflated number. I think it'll drop tomorrow. Especially after people listen to the pod. Nah, I know Tomlin used to be like a go for two guy, even when it did, like the. Oh, well, I don't know if that's even true. I, well, I mean, I'm asking a couple times. <laughs> I mean, you can look at the stats. I mean, it, like I, I felt like he was one of the guys who early on was like they'd score the first touchdown of the game and he'd go for two. You know something? Look up on the Steeler game. Is it says yes, no? Will there be a two point conversion? I'm looking at kicker points under for Chris Boswell is five and a half. Or the total for Chris Boswell. So he won't kick two field goals. Well, wait a minute. That means if he it's really the same as it's the, really the same as a one and a half field goal prop. It's the, not much different. The yes on a, Pittsburgh's only supposed to score one touchdown, really. I know, but one and a half field goal. What's the over under in that? It's overs plus one hundred five, unders minus one thirty five. 
That seems like a good bet, doesn't it? Under under uh, five and a half? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if they kick one extra point and have one field goal, you still got a point and a half of wiggle room. You, you know, I like all the anti-kicker. I like the, the length of the field goals because it's hard to score touchdowns in crappy wind also. So longest field goal, like under 46, is really attractive in games like this. Unless the wind is directly at their back and they try a 65 yard. Yeah, but the, it's, the, the yeah. wind's so bad in these yeah. cases. The ball, just, I mean, I, Buffalo's a bad stadium for wind. It's lake. It's that lake effect, mm. and they say it's crosswind. So it's uh. Well, let's make sure what Fess said. There's no chance you're going to get a 46 yard over under on this game, right? They don't even have longest I think, kicks I think listed. Get a 45 and a half. Oh, that doesn't sound right. You got 101 they've books. Inflated. They've, they've inflated. They've been like putting up like 48s and 47 and a halves on typical games lately. All right. So this is what we should do. You got my pick. I think everyone's had their say in this game. I like the, the yes. Will there be a successful two point conversion plus 475? Because they figure there's not going to be many touchdowns. I just want to bet this because I think you know, someone's going someone's to score and go for two. Let me ask you a question. Go with over the total. And that, and see what it does. So over thirty six. Because if it goes that, over, I like that for sure. I but I, I wonder how much it kills the payout. Let's see, gotta go to the same game parlay. Okay, so we got those two point conversion numbers. Yeah, will there be a successful two point conversion? Is plus four seventy five. Boy, I tell you, if you think there's going to be decent scoring, it, it feels like that would be a way to go. You know, I like, think they're going to be scared to kick extra points. Yeah, but well, that means they're going to be scared. Then, then the question becomes: that means they're scared to kick a field goal. I agree. So how is it? How is the um, the the over under what it is? And it, what was the over under again? Uh, it was thirty six. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about the over under in, in field goal in points. Oh, five and a half for the for the Steelers, six mm-hmm. and a half for the Bills. So how do you get five and a half points of kicking if you are afraid to kick an extra point? That's why I like the under. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but in theory, you'd like under one and a half. I would. Well, then, Faz, what do you think? It's difficult because the wind hurts your red zone performance, so you wind up kicking more short field goals when you can't get into the end zone. Well, I tell you, I've got a same, not next game, but the game after, I've got a same game parlay idea that is sweet. But next, Green Bay, Dallas. Now, I have over Dallas on the team total. 30 and a half. 30 and a half, no problem. 31 or more over and my thinking on this baby is pretty simple. Dallas has at home one of the best offenses in the league. Maybe the best. If you say if you're in the venue of choice, you know, meaning where would you be more scared of an offense in Dallas or where? I don't know. Miami's one of the top offenses, right? They're not going to go San Francisco. I think San Fran, well, are they better at home? I mean, they're better at home, but San Fran at home or Dallas at home, offense only. Maybe I, Detroit, maybe in that conversation. Uh, maybe, especially when golf has to go outside. <laughs> well, when he doesn't have to go outside. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm saying when he does have to go outside, it gets bad. So when he, I mean, at home, he's he, it's his his comfort zone. Yeah. So it's when he, I'm confused. You're talking about when he's bad, but we're talking about who's the best. I'm saying Detroit at home is the best yeah. because golf doesn't have to be outside. Okay, but remember, we're not saying what is the biggest difference between yeah. home and away. We're saying who, what is the scariest venue for any given team? It, you know, it could be like Mahomes on turf. You might say. I'm not saying that this year, but. I think Dallas is right up there. Well, this year, it's Dallas at home. They average a league-high 37.4 points per game at home. <laughs> they have gone over 30. They have, they've had at least 30 points 
in every home game this year. This has been, I think, on on my card four weeks this year. Uh, the Dallas team total <laughs> over. Uh, this is just it's a it's an ATM. Well, again, things that are an ATM for a little while usually aren't as we continue because that's what happens is people bet them and they go up. And my three weight on this game is Dallas team total over over thirty and a half. And that's, you know, 30 is a key number, 31 is a key number. So we're splitting the difference there. That's not so bad. And to me, this is two sided. And I'm going to, I'll counterpunch as we talk about this game. But it's a lot about Dallas at home. And Dallas at home is the most effective scoring team in the league. And number two, Green Bay's defense is horrible. And all you got to do to get a feel for that is look how the Carolina Panthers did against Green Bay. That's all you need to know. If someone, <laughs> if a team, if Carolina can do well against you, their offense, you have a bad defense. I think it's a perfect storm over Dallas. Now, I feel like Green Bay could cover or they could lose by 20, but the variable here is does Jordan Love, is he able to gunsling with Dak? I don't know for sure, but I know Dallas is going to get their points. And AJ, you tend to agree with a lot of scoring in the game. Yeah, no doubt. My opinion on this game is over 50 and a half for the full game. And, I mean, you mentioned how great Dallas is at home. Green Bay, third best offense in the league on the road. 25.3 points per game away from home this year. Who have they beat, though, on and, the road? <laughs> and Jordan Love, I mean, the first 10 games of this season, his average QBR was 51. In the, in the final seven, it was 76. First 10 games, 16 touchdowns, 10 picks. Last seven games, 16 touchdowns, one pick. You mm. told you showed me that stat, the uh, EPA plus CPOE. The only guy better than him since week 11 is Mason Brock, Rudolph. Is Brock Purdy. <laughs> oh, but how many? What's the minimum number of passes you? It's have? since week 11, so I'm guessing that you know he he. Uh, no, but I'm saying since week 11, uh, Mason Rudolph's better than that. You just don't have how many. You have to have. A I minimum. must have had some sort of a minimum. All right, guys, so, all right, okay. But I think Green Bay is going to be able to keep up. I, I think that this off the Green Bay offense has. So why not like Green Bay? Uh, I do. I, I mean, that'd be my opinion as well. So I, I, I think both of those. But I, I, I am terrified that. I mean, you, you mentioned this defense is so bad for Green Bay. Like I could see Dallas just having an unreachable number. I just think both offenses have a lot of success here on a fast track. Fez, what do you like? And do you just first, if you don't mind, do you like Green Bay? If you like Green Bay, do you like the under with it? Do you see those two correlated? Well, I'm sorry. That. I'm sorry. The oh, I, I meant the over. The over. I don't think Green Bay is correlated with the with the total because I, I think Dallas is going to get like thirty one points. I think that's a given. They're like you said. They're well, then, then, then we got we got a fifty fifty bet. I mean, we're laying one ten on a given. <laughs> and Green Bay, <laughs> they could score. They could score thirty five, and they could score twenty one. I mean, there's more variability. I mean, they, they, who'd they beat on the road? Well, they beat Detroit on Thanksgiving Day at Detroit. So, you so know, they, they've they've shown coping ability. And the trend line, obviously, the Packers have been playing better and better as the season's progressed. So I could see the Packers staying in this. The markets, although the line is seven and a half, you know, one tool I've been using more and more is I've been looking at betting exchanges, which are better at, at post than they are midweek. Mm-hmm. Well, well, like like anything, right- like anything else, liquidity, as the liquidity increases, it becomes more meaningful. Yes, but right now, by example, I can bet Dallas minus seven and a half plus 108. Not for a lot of money, but plus 108. So someone's willing to put that up and leave it up there on an overnight line. 
meaning they like the Packers a lot to, 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 to be able to do that. Um, and I just think it's telling that it, a plus 108 is sitting out there on a market number of seven and a half. That tells me Green Bay is the right side. My power ratings say six and a half, but I think it's a shootout and a high scoring game. So and, what's, what's your favorite opinion on this game then, uh, Fez? I think this is a no-brainer that if you – I like RJ's Dallas over. If you like the Cowboys, tease them. I don't see them losing the game outright, um, but I think it, it's a close game. If you like the Packers, take the points. Well, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't like the tease, and here's why. If it's if if the tease is in the question, it's, chances are it's going to be a close game. Most likely if Green Bay wins, it will be a close game. Green Bay blowing them out is not very likely. Especially if we think they're going to put up at least 24 points. You know, it's hard to get blown out if you do that. And I think Dallas will put up more than that. Okay. McCarthy late game equals bad. Now, it's not Wednesday equals bad. It's McCarthy late game. So, to me, I would much rather – if I liked Green Bay, which I don't, and I don't really like Dallas. I'm pretty neutral on the side. But if I had to play, it would be Green Bay. But I would so much rather have Green Bay on the money line than Green Bay plus seven. Just because I think if it is a close one, I think I have an edge. And I'm, I'm going to roll the dice with it. Do you disagree with that, Fez? Yeah, just because I'm such a stone-cold Wong teaser guy. And I can only get like three to one on Green Bay. And three to one pales compared to catching seven and a half. But it's not seven and a half, is it? It's painted seven and a half everywhere, yeah. Okay, so it's seven. Oh, okay, so for some reason I thought it was seven. What, what, what was the line move in this? How did the line move in this one? Open eight, went right to seven and a half. Okay, so, it, so it's never been even seven. Okay. Um, boy, I wonder what this would be in Green Bay. This might be one of the biggest flips of any possible game, huh? Would it? I mean, what? Other than the... The ice bowl in Kansas City, I, I agree. Dallas has had such a home road dichotomy. And Green Bay's got that grass at home. Um, and remember, Dallas on grass is not, I mean, again, what was it? Did I see that right? I didn't watch the game. Washington was up 10 to what, three or 10 to seven against Dallas? 10 seven. All right. Yes. And we figure, okay, give us one more touchdown the yeah. rest of the game. Yeah. I don't think they crossed midfield after that. <laughs> Jesus, God. You want to talk about a heartless, gutless like way to go. I thought they'd actually be motivated to send their coach out with a little bit of dignity, but no. All right, Scott, what do you like in this one? I like where you're leaning here with the Cowboys team total over. Uh, as uh, you know, they they average well over 37 points per game at home this year. It's number one in the league. They've scored over 30 points, at least 30 points or more in every home game this year. And as far as the teaser is concerned, Dallas has won 16 straight games at home. So teasing them down, I know it's like, all right, well, you, you might want to avoid that. I think I'm pretty confident in Dallas winning this game, given their track record at home. Although, and, and maybe not laying the points, since 1997, the Cowboys in the playoffs, 3-12-1 ATS. History not on their side. Hmm. I think the first round, I think that there is a Jerry Jones factor that he puts a lot of pressure on the mm -hmm. team, but I don't think it's necessarily the first round uh, as much, though let's be honest, they haven't made it past the first all that much, so maybe you're <laughs> right. Uh, I, I got to be honest, I think if you like Green Bay, the better bet here, even than the money line, might be the over. 
Because I, I don't see the scenario Green Bay holds Dallas to 17. I don't either. No, I don't see that at all. But as going back to the, the Cowboys teasing them down, Dak Prescott is a six-point or more favorite at home, 25 and, 25 and four straight up. 19-9-1 ATS, so good ATS numbers. But the straight-up numbers, I mean, 25 of 29, uh, that's pretty good to me to lay mm-hmm. on a teaser leg. Or you effectively are are getting the same thing with the almost the same thing with the teaser. That's what I'm saying. Using the Cowboys oh, on the teaser, teaser leg. Yes. Okay, okay. Sorry about that. Um, I think Fez being remote has me all discombobulated. <laughs> with that. I'm, I'm, but uh, okay, so uh, well, let's look at the strength of schedule. Uh, Dallas is 30, Green Bay 24. So nothing there. This is a bad spot when it comes to history in round one when you're a clear favor but at home but not a big, big favor. Let me pull that up, Fez. Why don't you kind of give your last couple thoughts and then I'll give him that stat. Both teams looking pretty healthy, both coming in with a 90 score. So relatively speaking, um, whoever gets through this game, probably going to have a health advantage going forward, but no advantage here. So Fez finally found this doctor site, and he's just going to be reading us the doctor's things. I do like them quantifying it with a number. I, I really like that. I haven't seen that. I'm going to check that out. Um, okay, here. So if you're home and you're a favorite, but you're not favored by more than nine, okay, like we said Buffalo was, it's the first round of the playoffs. All right, that's it. First round. You're a home favorite of less than nine, 11 and 26 against the spread. 11 winners, 26 losers, three and a half points a game. The under is 14 and 23, 14 overs, 23 unders. So, hmm, I will say this when you get up to seven and a half, you're, you know, what. It, how different is seven and a half and nine? Mm. I mean, it is above the teaser, so nine kind of isn't a key number in itself, but it does get you into teaser protection. So there's a meaning to that. Like they're saying, the books are saying we don't want teasers. Right. Right here, they're not. Isn't it interesting? I mean, here's the thing, Fez. If this thing goes to nine, would they get crazy Green Bay money? Oh, absolutely. Uh, they and- would get inundated because my power ratings only make it six and a half. So there's enough other guys that would just bet purely on power ratings. And like you said, your trends support the dog in this spot too. Yeah, but I guess my point is eight eight is, I mean, in a weird way, if they were afraid of teasers, they'd find a way to get to nine here, even if it means with the money line or, you know, making it minus 125 or whatever. It doesn't seem like the books are afraid of teasers here. I think it's because there's no real good um, quality teaser to pair it up with. That's a pure Wong teaser. Even Houston's like 2.65. So there's not like there's another eight-point favorite or a clear two-point dog to put them in with. If you had to guess how uh, this where this line closes, what would you guess? Seven. I think money's going to come on Packers. Okay. All right. So let's make this official. I've got my three-weight. So that's my third best bet of this round on over Dallas. Fez says it's a lock. You know, maybe we're overthinking it. Maybe we just embrace the lock, Fez. What do you think? <laughs> Keep it simple. All right. Um, and anyone else with an, anything official on nope, this Nope, just game? opinions nope. outside. I was the one guy with enough guts? Yes. All right, two games to go. This is my best bet coming up. The Los Angeles. You're, you've seen the Big Lebowski, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. When he goes... 
he was the laziest man in Los Angeles. Yep. He goes, we put him in running for the laziest man in the world. <laughs> Have you seen that, Fez? The the Big Lebowski. I, I, oh, I, I it's been so long, but I I loved it. My my one favorite scene is when the dude, the John Goodman takes the baseball bat and he trashes a dude's car and he he, he gets the wrong car. Remember that? But why do you keep saying the dude? That was the main character's name. <laughs> so you're throwing us off by saying some dude. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. So John Goodman. <laughs> yeah. Takes a baseball bat to the wrong car. It was it was, the, it was the it was the time they had to go out to the place near the In and Out Burger. It's been 30 years. I don't remember well. <laughs> remember, they go, that's out by the in and out. Yep. And then you don't hear another word about it. And then they're driving back with the windshield busted yep. through. And you see, you see their hand rise up above the, <laughs> and it's, they're eating in and out burgers. <laughs> All that's right. a good movie. Screw up school bowling. <laughs> Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions. Lions at home, favored by three Detroit. My best bet on the Rams. My best bet as well. All right, Scott, I'm going to let you My go. My three weight on the Rams. Uh, okay. That's third. Okay. So uh, I did a little uh, EPA research, uh, so be proud of me here. All right. When it comes to the Rams with Kyron Williams. So in weeks one through six, when Kyron Williams was healthy to start the season, the Rams were sixth in EPA. Sixth in the rush, fourth in rushing success rate. Since he's come back... In weeks 12 to 17, he didn't play in week 18. They are number four overall in offensive EPA per play, number three in rushing EPA. I did the garbage time filter on that because, you know, they Mm -hmm. win some games. It goes to number two to EPA per play, number two in rushing, number two in rushing success rate. This team is good. So number two overall, number two in rushing. Yes, yes. This team is very good. This team is very, very good, especially offensively with Kyron Williams running the football. Now, this is a rookie. So, yeah. if anything, gaining a little bit of experience and stuff mm-hmm. is meaningful. And the split isn't just as arbitrary, I'd yes. say. Yes. And I think that the loss of Sam Laporta is going – now, we don't know if he's 100% ruled out yet. Dan Campbell said, quote, I don't know if we're there yet. I don't foresee us knowing anything or feel like we have a real good picture until probably Friday is what Dan Campbell said. I can't see this guy playing the way he got carted off the field last week. He has 10 touchdowns this year and 82 receptions. That's the most for a tight end, rookie tight end in NFL history and tied – uh, you know, 10 touchdowns for a rookie tight end. Without him on the field, I think that that allows the defense of the Rams to focus in more on Amon Ross St. Brown, and I think that that's going to take away Jared Goff's passing biggest threats. I think the Rams have a, a real good shot at pulling off this upset. They've scored 20 points or more in seven straight games now. It's the second longest streak in the NFL behind the Buffalo Bills. So I think the Rams not only cover this game, I think mm. they win it outright. So I think Laporta being out is a big deal. It's actually – this same game parlay I like so much, we're going to save it for the same game parlay little mini pod we do because I think it's going to be the one I'm pushing for. But I'll tell you, tease it, it's around the idea of golf thrown for a lot of yards but then not scoring a lot of points. I think that we're going to look at, because if there's anywhere Laporte is the most valuable, it's in, as you said, the red zone. Mm-hmm. Ten touchdowns for him. and Led, led the team. And Detroit has had an extremely good numbers in the red zone, Laporta being a big part of that. 
The Rams have had extremely bad numbers relative to their performance overall in the red zone. Let's assume, you know, people think they, that regresses to the mean. It does maybe half. I think the other half is there's just qualities about the offense, the playmakers or lack thereof, that don't do as well in small spaces. There's just some teams that don't do as well in small spaces, and the Rams seem to be that. So if you have two teams that move the ball but aren't great in the red zone, if we assume Detroit's not going to be as good, I think it really lends itself to potentially a lot of yards and not as many points. We'll get into that. But that's my main thinking on the game. Fez, what's yours? Yeah, I like the Rams. I wish I'd gotten at the three and a half, but I could easily see them win. Coaching mismatch. The Lions are only a smidgen better. Um, And, you know, we talk about that home field not being worth what it was. Interesting theory I heard. Instant replay. The, The predominance of instant replay has eliminated referee bias somewhat because they know they're looking at every play so much. And it used to be there was um, so you're saying the the, refer, the refereeing is just getting better and better. Yeah, but, well the ref and the refs <laughs> know like like all things being equal, the crowd's going crazy. It's easy to say that dude, the home guy was in was in bounds, but now when they know they're looking under a microscope with each and every play, one the refs are getting better to get the calls right, and if they get it wrong, you can always review it anyways. So that's you know so Fez- dialed back. Doesn't it seem, it's going to be a zoo, the noise. Doesn't no it, doubt about doesn't that. it seem kind of rich that you're talking about how good the referees are in a Detroit Lions game? <laughs> See, I'm not sure I agree with any of that because that presupposes that the refs are consciously deciding. I mean, wasn't the whole premise of the home field for the refs was the crowd, some people just react to it, not that they were making the wrong call, but they just – have a cognitive dissonance that they don't want to face like the crowd. So they're inclined to think the right call. I don't think any of it was conscious, right? I, I don't know. I just, I just know it doesn't matter because even if they have the cognitive dissonance and they favor the home team, it just gets reviewed and they look, the ref looks stupid for making the wrong call. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think, Hmm, that's curious. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. What we know generally is home field has trended down. Uh, Detroit, I mean, how much do we have to look at Dan Campbell as a debutante him, himself? Mm. Goff has experience, right? But let's be honest. Goff, when he got sent packing with, as I said on SOV on Fox, with literally a first-round pick around his neck, kind of like the way that little kids, kids that don't want to be watched, the parents want them to go somewhere else, they say, go down to Freddie's house or go down to Sally's house, and oh, by the way, here's a crumb cake. And like the figure, if the kid comes with a crumb cake, they'll let him in, is that's where they put a first-round pick around Goff to go, hey, Detroit will take you, right, if we give you a, a cake with it. It's like... Why did they send him away? Well, a lot of it was he wasn't up for the biggest games. He wasn't alpha enough. Isn't this potentially as big of a game as he's uh, other than the Super Bowl in which they scored six points or whatever that he's ever going to have? And do we really think golf kicks butt in these kind of spots? No, I, that's why Sean McVay sent him packing, like you said. Like but he he's knew played that he a looked... lot better than we would expect since they sent him packing. Sure, but he's not played. He's not been better than Matt Stafford. But that isn't the question. The question is, how much does golf get traded for today? He gets traded for probably two first rounders today. Mm, that's interesting. Because is his contract? I wonder what. Like, is I mean, I guess he's. I don't try to guess contracts. Let's assume he gets a market contract. He's worth at least one first rounder. Yes, there's a lot of teams first in the league that would rather have Goff than their current starter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. probably twenty of them. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. to me, he had to get his contract, the same contract he's on now, he had to have a first-round pick as an induce, as a sweetener. He's grown a ton. I just don't know if this situation is the bugaboo for him. That that that, and he's going against the guy that threw him away. And he's going against a guy that knows him the best and knows his weaknesses. Uh, so, well, maybe he knew. Uh, that's interesting because is golf the same player? Mm-hmm. That's right? a good point. Uh, this game would fall into the whole ten uh, category of difference between the strength of schedule. Oh yeah, because the Rams were uh, fifth and the Lions were twentieth. In strength of schedule. And I have a question because this is one of the underdogs that I think this is my favorite underdog to win the game out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you go back in history, I have this trend here. The last 46 wild card games. Okay. The outright winner is 45 and 1 ATS. Mm -hmm. So it's very rare that the underdog loses but covers the spread. So some people would say, if you like the dog, take him outright. Mm-hmm. Is this a I case? Right. I think they're right. Is this a case where we would take the Rams money line rather than the three? I think especially if you're like Fez said, you missed the three and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I I think so. I don't think that means anything because in theory the the money line has moved. The, a lot of people think like that. It's like oh, it's below three anyway, so I might as well just take the money line. Well, the money line, unless there's mispricing somewhere where there's incongruent lines, which there could be is whatever the line is, there's going to be a corresponding money line. So if whatever it is now, it would have been 20 cents more when it was three and a half. So, I mean, maybe in your mind you're saying, I don't want to push, but just mathematically, and Fez, would you agree with that, is that maybe psychologically there's a reason to think, oh, I'll just take the money line. But effectively, you're getting less in a payout exactly commensurate with the drop from three and a half to three. Yeah, I think it just comes down to you. If you plug it in, I believe from memory, a plus three, minus one ten, a pure three point um, dog. If you had a no vig money line, that would be plus one forty eight, minus one forty eight. So that would. But if you play the plus three, you're laying a dollar ten. So if you can get a plus any uh, money line, a plus one forty or higher, I believe plus one forty is like fractionally better. Than taking plus three, lay a dollar ten on on all NFL games. So we're talking about good things, but different things, right? You're talking about what is the conversion? We're uh, and and I agree with you. Uh, AJ is talking about well, what's the psychology of potentially not having three and a half? So is uh, and that's I think that's a trap in a way. But but you know, if but here's the thing: if it's true, meaning the psychology, then you do it. Like, if some people hate laying three and a half, right? they hate taking two and a half. They're like, I just, I like it so much more at three. Yeah, I, I would like every game at a better number. <laughs> but, but I think because people are disinclined to take two and a half, sometimes there's value on two and a half. Um, but it's psychology. It's the way each of us as gamblers, you know, if you know you're going to go on tilt, if you do X or Y, don't do X or Y. Even if there's no logic to why you'd go on tilt, the fact that you'd go is enough. But I think the point I'm making is, and the point Scott's bringing up, is there something about the playoffs in particular that makes the corridor between uh, losing the game but but not losing by more than the spread? So the underdog covering because of the points, not winning, is that less likely We I, in the I, playoffs? I think what happened is that, the, remember, we're super wild card, so there's a different format. So it used to be 
you had the top two teams, right? Mm-hmm. You got buys. Yep. So you had a situation where you had the two shitty division winners playing the two wild, good wild card teams. So there was a predominance of one, one and a half, two and two and a half point spreads. Well, of course, none of them could middle because it was almost impossible. It had to thread the needle on the one. So I think that was a big part of that. And now that the playoff format has changed, you're going to see a whole lot more of these games actually land in that corridor. So since 2020, uh, which was the start of the Super Wild Card, mm-hmm. the outright winner, 31-8 and eight ATS. In all rounds? Or just the wild card round? Oh, it's, it's in all rounds of the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. So here's why I think there's something to the corridor not being hit. Teams are much more desperate and they take more risks. Like, there's games where a team's down by 21, and they just don't fake punt. They just don't go for it. I mean, in theory, they have less than a 1% chance to win, but they should go for it on their own five-yard line, right? If it's fourth and 10 with 15 minutes left, or wherever that point is where they got to score every possession or they pretty much are giving the game away, or they've conceded it. They don't keep going for it. They don't keep. They, but in the playoffs, whatever that threshold is of like, do you do something crazy? You, you do it more. Yeah. And because of that, I find that there gets to be some um, uh, distance, uh, you know, point distance that that happens at the end of game sometimes because of the the extreme of winning or the season's over. Now, under that same theory, if you're down by 21, you fight back harder at halftime than you would. If it was the regular season, so maybe, but you know, I don't know. I, I do think that there's combination of things that, and, and listen, Dan Campbell, he lends himself to extreme results, meaning he's going to go for it on fourth more than anyone typically. Now, will he be the same way in the playoffs? I actually think what happened to him in that Dallas game and, and the thought he was going for it from the seven on the two point conversion. Now, there's speculation that maybe he wasn't. He just was trying to draw them off sides and he would have caught a timeout. I don't know. But it does feel like it's backed him into a corner. That He's got to be a wild man or they're going to say, oh, you changed in the playoffs. So in general, Fez, if, if we knew that Dan Campbell was going to be a wild man, we like the alternative lines. If you like Detroit, you might want to look at a minus six and a half. Because it does seem like the Campbell is going to be the guy that does the craziest stuff that, that increases the variance on this. Maybe I just want to look at fourth down conversions and I, because I think both coaches are going to be going for it liberally. So um, I don't know if that prop's going to be available, but I'll look for that. So could, over- oh, go ahead, Fez. And, you know, I'm not up on what the pricing is, but I think it would be one and a half for fourth down conversions for the game. But I could be wrong on that. Okay. And playoffs are going to have more more offerings in the regular season, so that would be interesting. What I'd be interested in, Scott, is um, what is the Rams, let's say, at minus 6.5 or in that range? Um, I, I also think... You mean the Lions minus 6.5? No, no, the Rams. Oh, Rams minus yeah. 6.5. Okay. Uh, oh, wow. Were they playing? No, so if we want Rams... So, Fez, I was looking at Pinnacle. You know, Pinnacle has a ton of uh, uh, props up now. And I, if I'm not mistaken, do they have same game parlay? I can't remember. I think they do. I'm going to have to look. But I was looking at their, um, I was looking at their uh, props, and they had, there was like in, in every second game, I'd say. So, let's say on uh, Sunday there was, uh, or, you know, I guess it was, what, uh, 16, 14, 14 games, right? Because there was two on Saturday. Um, in 14 games, there was maybe seven instances 
that they had a guy like at minus 155, let's say, oh, you know, over under 180 yards or whatever, but it was minus 155 where the rest of the market was at like minus 110 or 115, right? So they were completely skewed by about 30 cents. Now, it was just enough where their take back, though, was uh, maybe break even with the best other lay price. So there wasn't like scalps, but there was like up to the point of scalps, right? Boy, it's probably sh- what happened. You know, they they profile their players, and so if they had an A plus player, let's say everybody's dealing minus one fifteen in each direction, and they have an A plus player bet a prop, then they move it to like minus you know one thirty six plus one sixteen. So you know, offer one cent scalp. Basically, they're saying, oh, that player always wins. So we're willing to lay minus one sixteen by tricking you into betting at plus one sixteen. And if they're laying one sixteen. I'm willing to lay 120 and think I'm probably going to do okay, right? Meaning play on the side at the, at the best price, you know, at my, let's say minus 120, would I have to pay 55 or minus 155 at Pinnacle? I think, I, I, I think you're going to do, I, do pretty I well with so. that. I, th- I, I think that would be a winning strategy, yes. I mean, the, that's the penny lean on steroids in mm-hmm. a way. The, the, the only problem is those penny, you, you got to check the limits because it's it, – it, if if it's like a five hundred dollar limit prop, then someone could just be phone phoning up the uh, the prop by making one bet on against them. Yeah, what well, if they're doing that? Is I mean, I guess maybe the move would be if they did phony it up. Um, meaning a better thought for this modest amount of money, I can change the market. But the market really isn't changing. That's the thing. Everyone else is staying where they are, it seems like. I think it's because Penny's not on the screen anymore, so someone would actually – and it's a prop bet on top of it, so someone would have to manually go in. That's a lot of work to do when there's 14 NFL games all about to kick and there's quarterbacks that we're supposed to play that are coming up lame. You know, there's, there's, there's bigger fish to fry and things to worry about with an hour before post. Except almost everyone that listens to this is looking for anything profitable. Right, no, I mean, and, and and that's what they should be looking. He's like at. Brad that's Pitt. He's like right. Brad Pitt saying, you know, that girl, she's a virgin, and you know, she wants to have her first night with me, but I ain't got time. I'll see you next week. I mean, it's like, it's like what you makes sense for you for it makes sense for the better to do it and not for the bookmaker to pay a whole lot of attention. Yeah, yeah. well, but obviously the bookmakers thought enough about how to do something very unconventional with the number, right? So, um, okay, I mean. Now that he's won this money a little bit, well, not a little bit, but more money. I mean, it, do you do you have anyone that like flushes your, te- your teeth for you? Like, do you, that'd be cool. He hasn't picked up the check yet. He's got to wait. For oh me. yeah, that'd be interesting. That's <laughs> gonna that's gonna be interesting. No, I just wonder. Like, do, do you ever think like, hey, I'm at the um, I'm on a you know, I'm having dinner with my wife. You know, should I am I wait? Should I be somewhere else right now? Like, like. Your family time with Johnny, obviously, you're locked in. You do a great job with that. But otherwise, do you find yourself wondering, are you wasting your time more? Now, if he was funny, he'd go, well, you know, right this moment, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but how you, do you think this might get out of hand? I think I'm older and wiser. Okay. You know, it's like we, we, like we talked about, it was, it was a really great year. What's the first thing we're going to do? It's like, now we're going to pay off our HELOC. You know, look at us. Lifestyle of the rich and famous. Woo-hoo. 
<laughs> All right. Anything else on this one? Yeah, this this is my three weight game. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, he he waxed poetic about Kyron Williams, who's been one of my favorite players all year, and I, I think I mean, he's the first game of the year. You're like, I like this guy. <laughs> I mean, no, but it's been most of this. What college season. did he play at Notre Dame? The Lions 29th in PFF in pass coverage, 16th against a pass per DVOA, and the Rams just they've got so many pass catchers. I don't know how they. I, I don't know how the Lions cover these guys. Like Tutu Atwell came back. Uh, they've still got Nakua, Cup, Demarcus Robinson, Tyler Higby. There's just so many weapons for this team. I, I don't see how the Lions cover them. And the Rams' defense in this run, where they've won seven of the last eight games, their run defense. They're eighth in EPA per play in that stretch. So they're going to say, okay, if we're taking away the run, which is the Lions' strength right now with their two backs. Well, see, I don't think they do, though. I think McVay is willing to seemingly – this is what all the analytics people hate about McVay. They say, oh, he runs and he runs and he runs and he shouldn't run. He will not let, even if the team's stopping him, get him out of running as much as he wants to run. So – I think what you're saying is maybe they pass more because of that. No, I think it's maybe the under, even though I don't want to bet. If if the Rams, if McVay runs the way I think he will, you got to like the under in this game, I think. just be, And again, that's why the prop I like is go off a lot of yards, under because in the red zone they're not going to do as well, and under because I think that Rams will keep running even if it's not effective. That Rams alternate spread that you were looking for is plus 337, minus 6.5. Okay, now that's an interesting payout there. So we're moving it, what, about t- less than 10 points? but yeah, uh, about nine, nine and a half points. What do you think of that, Fez? Oh, I could see it. I could certainly see what we talk about, you know, big jumbo payout on something that is not extremely unlikely to happen. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Rams won this game by 10. And let's be honest, if Goff starts throwing a couple of interceptions, I think there might be a real problem. Meaning it doesn't feel like he's going to, if there's any time he might really revert back to the old Jared Goff, it'd be like down by 10, two interceptions. What do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of uh, of questions about, I think Jared Goff, this may be like too much pressure for him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I just think in like just not just the game, but the game being against his old team. I, I think that's the kind of stuff that piles up on a guy like Jared Goff. And game number six, this one on Monday puts the super... And super wild card weekend, the Eagles favored by three on the road against Tampa and Baker Mayfield. Now, I will say one thing back to Pittsburgh and Cleveland for a second. This is amazing. If Pittsburgh loses and Cleveland wins, or if Pittsburgh loses and Cleveland loses, the only way this isn't the case is if Pittsburgh advances further in the playoffs than the Browns, which is unlikely. This will be the first year since 1991 the Browns have more wins at the end of the season than the Steelers. Damn. Think about that for a second. Damn. <laughs> like, so that's 25, I'd say 35, yeah. Almost, almost 35 years. Yeah. That's unbelievable. How many years did, did Cleveland not have a football team? Three, I think. Yeah, it wasn't that long. Okay. Yeah. What, a, what a sad stat that is, honestly. I just hope Pittsburgh finds a way not to let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we do have the e- – well, I guess I was just thinking of Baker Mayfield is why I thought of the Browns. But uh, Tampa at home plus three. Uh, let's see here. Fez, you got your second biggest play on this one. Yeah, so I have a four-weight on Tampa plus the three. I think I know why this line's three, and I think it's because 
if you watch Tampa beat Carolina, they're unimpressive. Carolina should have scored some points, and Baker was limping in the second half after a lot of the plays. It seems like a good, said, a good reason to affect the line. Yeah, but having said that, I, 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 I've got Tampa rated a below average team, a half point worse. I only have the Eagles a point and a half better. I make this line two on a neutral, and the game's in Tampa, which gets me to pretty much pick. And it's all the way to three. I have to do it. I shoot Baker up, whatever his problem is. As long as he's going to play, there's just too much value. The Eagles are playing so terrible. Their their defense is so awful down the stretch. Tampa plus three. I, I know the strength of schedule is going to say don't do it, but uh, the value just is overwhelming on my power rating. Well, the strength of schedule doesn't say much. It's 25 for Tampa, 21 for Philly. So nothing in the system. If anything, advantage. Yeah, slight advantage Philly. What do you got? Uh, I've got under 44 in this game, and we saw this game once already. The Eagles won 25 to 11 early in the season. I don't remember it. Oh, okay, I do now. I think Tampa was a six-point underdog. If I remember, what what was the line? I, I'm not sure. Okay, you'll remember it because we had under ten. I believe we had. What was this? The game that Tampa mm. killed us with the two point conversion? No, that was, was Buffalo. That it, was Buffalo. Well, that they didn't oh, score right, a two point right, conversion right. in this. It was it was twenty five to three, uh-huh. and then they scored a garbage time touchdown and the two point conversion to make it twenty five eleven. Okay, uh, but that's back when the Eagles' offense was good, and the Eagles' offense is currently not good and not healthy. Jalen Hurts, his, I mean, it looked like his finger got caught in the uh, the vending machine or something a, a, after last week. A.J. Brown's got a bum wheel. Devontae Smith was too hurt to play last week. I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to gut it out and play this week, but I don't know. The offense just kind of sputtered into the playoffs, and, and Tampa, the one thing they've got going for them is they can slow down the run. And then on the other side, you've got a, a – I mean, Fez mentioned it. Baker Mayfield could barely walk. He, like, limped away from his post-game interview, and it just looked sad. Uh, Tampa, 11-6 and six to wait, the wait, under wait, this wait. season. Baker Mayfield, who's making millions of dollars to play quarterback, had a limp, and it was sad? I mean, he like, he wasn't he wasn't excited that they made the playoffs. He just was kind of like – I think he was, he was really physically hurting. Baker, that's where he lives, the playoffs. Well, that's it. That's where he resides. Well, playoff drive. Tampa got a little incentive bonus too. Tampa was eleven and six to the under this season. Philly was nine and eight on overs, but they were two and seven to the under on the road. And this is a who they play even who they beat. (laughs) And this you can make fun of it all you want, but I'm telling you, one day you're going to realize that who you beat matters. But two two and seven to the under on the road, and it's a prime time under, which has been massively profitable now for what three years. So uh, I I like under forty four in this game all right so i think the trap could be here thinking tampa ain't that good but fez said something interesting you're saying even if we assume tampa's below average which i think is fair slightly below average that philly shouldn't get there but i heard um i can't remember who it was but someone made a great point i think it was that asian uh not asian a-s-i-a-n but his name's a-g-e-n asian um from PFF, he said, this line is wrong. I don't know what it should be. It should either be if Philly is the team they've been the last two years, and this has been an aber- you know, this has been a short-term cold streak, then Philly should be six here. Right? I mean, what would this I mean, I guess we know. Let's look back and see what the line was. I think yep. it was in Tampa. Um, and if Philly's how they've played in the last six weeks. Then this line should be pick 'em. Like Fez is saying, Fez, you're not giving any 
I mean, really, you're grading Philly at only one and a half points better than average as the truth is what we've seen, and it's not even a whole year because over the year they're better than that. But you're saying the last half of the year is what's the truth. Well, the, la- the last half of the year they're a well below average team. I mean, they were 10 and 1, so well, but hold on, five. Well, yeah, but, but, if you, but that's not the last half of the year. The last half of the year would be nine or eight and a half games. And I mean, they so be, they beat Kansas City. Yeah, they, yeah. And and what I'm saying is that's you know a four and five team with a lot of talent probably you thinks about average a little better than average. Go ahead. What they was were it? four and a half minus four and a half. And it was in it was at, at Tampa. Okay. Now that actually I find very interesting because we know Tampa's been upgraded since that. Yeah, because we didn't know if Baker was a joke or not, and Baker's been. He's been he's been okay. Tampa's been that up. That makes great. me love Tampa because Tampa's a good two points better, and Philly's a good three points worse since mm. the last time they played. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that was right. week three when we still considered Philly to be the team that they were last now, year. Tampa did start two and zero, if I'm not mistaken. So there might have been a little yep. hype there. Yeah. So, but still, I do think that they clearly have been upgraded. And Philly's been downgraded, and it's only moving a point. I mean, it's and going they're on. injured. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, Fez, thanks for gutting it out. And I think you have the the last little puff of air before you expire to take us out. Should we summarize our picks first, RJ? Oh, that's think? a good idea. That's a good idea. AJ, why don't you start? Yeah, uh, my five weight is the Houston-Cleveland over, 44.5. My four weight is the Philly-Tampa under, 44. My three weight is the LA Rams plus three. Okay. Scott, my five weight is the Los Angeles Rams. My four is the second half under 22 and a half between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And my three is the Pittsburgh Steelers catching 10. Lucky Fez told us to do that because I forgot to explicitly give my four weight, which is in this game. And I got to be honest, the more we talk about it, I still like it because it's going for where I think the value is, and it's kind of bucking you in a way, AJ. It's Philly over 23-and-a-half. I think this team, it feels like that, that, that they have character. I know they have trouble amongst themselves sometimes. I think maybe all the hand jobs that were given the, the GM and, oh, he was so smart to make this trade. A lot of that stuff doesn't work out. You know, and Jalen Carter is what been below average the second yeah. half of the year. But I do think the offense, especially with the chips, I mean, I do think that gauntlet took it out of them. And they were embarrassed last week. And in Philadelphia, I mean, Sirianni could get fired. If they get blo- if they get beat here by 10, it's 50-50 he gets fired or not. Even though they were in the Super Bowl the year before. So I think this team comes together. I I won't say I like Philly because you guys have convinced me. I mean, I like this team total coming in. I don't like Philly, but I think they get their points. And I think the Philly, let's be candid. I don't think the offense is the problem. I'm not saying they, they've had great, like you're saying in theory, this guy being hurt might restrict that. But if you look at their offensive production by any reasonable amount of time, with last week not taking it out of the mix, they, their offense hasn't been the problem. I, I agree. The defense has been the bigger issue. My thought is this week, the health of the offense might be the issue. I got to be honest, I think the health stuff oftentimes is like rolling dice because sometimes you hear these three guys were hurt and they each put up 150 yards as receiver. And then, and I just don't know in the long run, 
I think with I think when you know someone's out, that really makes a difference. I think when it's someone's banged up, I don't know what to think of it, to be honest. So I'm not, it's, it's, to me, it's something, it's like salt and pepper. It's something to add into a handicap. I don't think it can be the basis of the handicap. My thought was with, with Hertz, because it was his middle finger on his throwing hand. And I mean, just think about when you throw a football, what's the I pressure can't even finger? Think, I can't even think about being Jalen Hurts. So these guys. Well, can you think about throwing a football? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I'm not him. He is, when did he hurt that? The finger was, he's been hurt. The last three months, right? Like, when did that finger get hurt? It got hurt in this last game. Well, I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I I don't think that's correct. I think his hand was hurt before that. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't rebang it up. Look look that up. That seems like an important point. Because if what you're saying here is he got hurt so bad that you saw it on TV and thought, oh, my God, then why isn't he – like, why is he even able to play? It sounds like – I mean – no, I don't want to see the finger. I mean, I don't need to. That's nothing. I mean, you show me I mean, a little crooked finger. I'm saying, what is? when did he hurt it is the question. He hurt it in, in, the, in the last game. Okay, and he, his hand was not hurt before that. That's what I'm asking you to research because I'm telling you. Well, no, the finger happened uh, when he hit it on somebody's hand last But was it hurt before that? I mean, I keep saying the same question. I'm no. not saying it. it wasn't hurt before that. So, Fez, then not. the market's inefficient. I mean, because it makes no sense that you have a quarterback that if we make that handout to be so gruesome, then why, is, why isn't there a chance he's not going to play? So uh, Jason Kelsey talked about on his podcast with Travis. He said, quote, Jalen got banged up. His finger looked like it was about to snap off, and he was walking all cool, calm, and collected like he always is. Okay. So, so like, it, it, he basically just shook it off. <laughs> like, okay, so that means we don't account for it yeah, then. yeah. Or we do and say that's BS, and then again, why is this line three? That's what I don't understand because I don't, I don't really. I've I've heard ten analyses of this game, and I haven't heard about his finger once. So there's something about this that where there's a disconnect for us. And I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm saying, would you agree, Fez? This market doesn't account for Jalen Hurts being uh, incapacitated, like like really hint or limited in any way. No, it's priced like Jalen Hurts is healthy and Baker Mayfield can't walk. That's how it's priced. And it's priced even then it's expensive on Philly, Yeah, in your opinion, right? So how yeah. much – you didn't mention his finger, did you? Like, was that a big not. Was that a big factor in, your, in the handicap for you? No, none whatsoever, just because, like, I, I, got, I got to figure out why Tampa's being downgraded, not why Philly isn't being downgraded by the numbers. So yeah. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying there does seem to – maybe it's like these quarterbacks are so tough, we tend to just think they're going to be fine. But in truth, they're not in certain case. Like, if I could know the injuries that hurt people – not hurt them, but hinder their performance – and the ones that don't, I think there's a lot of money in that. I don't know. I agree. All I know is that's your your thumb and your middle finger are the two most important fingers when you throw a football. Mm-hmm. So if on your throwing hand your middle finger is jacked up, and I mean I, I know I, for you or me that'd be the case. Look, These guys, I don't. X-ray, really X-rays were negative. No fractures shown. It looked like it was maybe it got dislocated or it popped out, and they probably just pulled it right back. Is in. Is he on the injury list? And if does it say his hand? Is the question okay? Um, but in truth, these injury lists are so poorly maintained. That's true. And it, they play on Monday, so they they may not they don't have even owe a designation yet. That's a good point. Okay, okay. So what I would say is, if you believe, I think AJ's under makes a ton of sense. If we think Hertz is hobbled, 
You know something? I'm not going to make a play I don't like. I'm eliminate. I'm AJ's talked me off that play. <laughs> He's talked me off it. Good. All right. Here's what I got. Dallas is my three. Is Dallas over? The Rams is my five. I'm going to wait. When Fez gives his picks, I'm going to pick one more good one. Go ahead, Fez. All right. My five is Kansas City minus four and a half. It's going to they're going to kill the shivering fish in ten degrees. My four is Tampa Bay plus three. And my three in 35-mile-to-40-mile-an-hour wind gusts, Buffalo to go under the 36. And you like the correlated parlay with Pittsburgh, too, as, but, but not and efficient. I, and, I, and I love the plus 10 to the under 36 correlated parlay also. All right, what is the Miami team total? Miami I, team total is 19.5. Oh, that, there's got to be a 20 somewhere. Let's look for a 20. Faz, can you Could. see a 20 on your board? Look at Fez. That U.S. has under 20 and a half minus 115. Under 20 and a half? Yes, sir. I'll take 20. Give me 20. I'll under go 20. under 20 in Miami. Because I, I trust their D a lot more than I trust that God's offense. I'm, I don't want to be on God's offense. All right, Scott, your picks. Oh, did you give yours already? Yes. He did. Only uh, That's everybody. All right. We did it, baby. And we didn't have any recorded picks for anyone? Oh. Uh, we do? We do. All right, so let's do this. We'll have Fez take us out, and then we'll play. Who do we have? The Hitman. The Hitman. So if Fez is going to take us out. We'll play the Hitman, and he'll just let us. That will fade out the pod, and we'll be back next week. Fez, what day should we do the pod next week? you have any parties? Or? <laughs> it's up to you, RJ. Just let me know. I'll be here. Uh, you know, why am I hearing faint strains of the Macarena in the background right now of Fez's house? All right, buddy. Thank you, and take us out. All right, and Mahomes is God. I've been saying that for years. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, let's be careful out there. Thank you. Best bet, C.J. Stroud, under 248.5 passing yards. Cleveland plays the second most man coverage in the NFL. C.J. Stroud, stunningly, ranked 38th out of 39 quarterbacks against man coverage in EPA per play. Also, Cleveland was second in the NFL in pressure rate this year, and they pressured Houston's quarterbacks 43% of the time in their earlier matchup this season. Stroud against pressure was 19th in yards per attempt. Remember, Houston is still a team that runs early and often, and Stroud has relied on insane efficiency this year to overcome a lack of passing volume. Let's also remember Stroud is still missing his second-best weapon in Tank Dell. This is a matchup that we probably don't see efficiency from Stroud giving us value on the under. 